Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. It's Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hard changing the play at the line of scrimmage. His back is Amir Abdullah. Now they're going to motion Morrow to the right side. Three receivers that way for Carr. Ball in the far hash. Backs to throw. Giving ground. Throws downfield into the end zone. And it's broken up by the Colts by Stephon Gilmore. I believe that's Mr. Gilmore. Shotgun snap for Prescott. Deep drop. Great protection. Hangs in there. He's going to send it upfield. Picked off. Stephon Gilmore. This one for Mr. Gilmore. He was out there for the Colts and looked like his old self. Played excellent despite being older than 30 years old. And now the Cowboys swoop in. Get Stephon Gilmore as the Colts go through a little bit of a reboot there. This one for Mr. Gilmore. Boy, I didn't think Waterworks would be alive and well on this Wednesday morning in the studio. Mark Dykton with an emotional re-entry here to start this Wednesday. Mr. Gilmore. I have to put some dirt on it. And Hell of a run. Now. Hell of a one-year run for Stephon Gilmore here in Indianapolis. He is off to Dallas. That were definitely the fireworks yesterday. Don't be sad it's over. Colts. Be happy it happened. And you know what? He goes to chase a Super Bowl ring and... The Colts admit that the state of their franchise is in a very foreign place to this fan base. Good Wednesday morning to you. It is a chilly start here in Indianapolis. Kevin Bowen, Jake Quarry, Mark Dykton. Guys, I thought to myself driving in, I'm like, you know what? I consider toughness to be, you know, two longs donuts, two PBRs on a Friday morning. I mean, that to me is grit, grind. Pagano will be very admirable. We're only 48 hours away from that. Yeah, and then I look to my left driving down, and I'm like, there are 30 people out there running steps at the War Memorial at 6.30 in the are morning. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. Oh, the War Memorial. Yeah, wow. no, not, not, not soldiers and sailors. Um, every Wednesday, they're out there. There's like a gr- I mean, at least 30 of them. I'd say when it's a little warmer, there's more of them. I'm like, why can't I be them? Or do I, do I want to be them or no? Well, not this morning, man. I... Is that healthy? Yes. In this weather, it's healthy? Yeah, I think so. Get your lungs going a little bit. Let me tell you. the yeah, Isn't two PBRs and Kevin, two longs donuts getting your lungs going a little bit? Well, it is. The, the first steps out to the car this morning were very similar to the news that the Colts had traded Stephon Gilmore, and that is that you knew there was the possibility that we were still in winter-type weather. But it's not until you feel 20-degree temperature when you walk out in mid-March that it smacks you and you are awakened into reality. We knew the Colts were further away from competing in the AFC than we wanted. And then they start trading away pieces that I thought played really well for them, and it smacks you in reality. And you tell me if I'm overreacting and I'm going to trust your opinion Kevin Bowen on this pulse on whether or not my reaction to it is again way too much hyperbole uh the Colts are in rebuild this is not retool this is complete scrap down rebuild yeah I think yesterday was the first admittance from the franchise that the 2023 outlook is pretty bleak correct and when the fran it's one thing for you and I 
to do it for three hours, John to do it in the afternoon. It, you know, it's one thing for us outside of that building to admit that when the internal decision makers, their actions say those things, that's when, at least myself, Jake, I pause and think to myself, whoa. I said it to Maddie last night. I was like, man, this is people inside of that building making a move that teams that believe they can win a division and or make a playoff run don't make. Correct. And look at what Dallas did. I mean, Dallas looks at themselves as a team that has a playoff caliber roster, you know, needs a piece or two. And so what do they do? They absorb that nine-ish million from Stephon Gilmore. They trade a day three pick. And now they have one of the best cornerback pairings in the entire NFL. I don't know if we're fully there yet, Jake, but I want to ask Stephen Holder when he joins us eight. But was this like the Karis LeVert trade by the Pacers? And then you're going to have the Sabonis trade. And then you're going to have the Brogdon trade. Is this the first of several? Correct. Well, here's the thing. This is the amazing thing about it, Kevin. The Colts yesterday made a trade of a guy that I thought, to be honest with you, so so yin and yang here, okay, credit where due. Stephon Gilmore was a guy that, that they, I'm not going to say took a flyer on, but that they wanted to see if he still had something left in him, and it was a hell of a sign. He had a great, I, I thought he was really good last year. He was the only closer this team sniffed. And he, correct, and he made plays for them that won them some games. I thought he played really well. But the news of his trade overshadows the fact of what we can now officially say. And that is that the Colts have failed, failed, that's with a big F, failed for the, what, third straight season at the take a shot at a quarterback experiment. We know now, obviously, at least it would seem, that one of two things is going to happen. They're either going to draft a quarterback or they're freeing up all this money because they're going to go after one. I think it's probably the former. But Matt Ryan also, you know, it appears as though going to be – did they the Colts have not officially said he's released. No, correct? again, four o'clock. The new league year begins. I think you'll start to see a little bit more official nature to several of these moves. But by Friday, they needed to do this. Uh, but yeah, seventeen point two million. It so, clears up. So yeah, seventh straight year. Jake, I will have give a different week one starter. And I'm not even saying this sarcastically or flippantly. I'll give Chris Ballard credit, man. It is so rare that a general manager gets a chance to just can kind of do things on the fly like more than once. This is what their second, maybe even third rebuild in his era. Just s- scrap it. It's like it's like Legos. Just tear them all down and and we'll just and just put them in a big pile and we'll just put it back together again. That's where they are. And there's only one person that Chris Ballard has to sell on that vision, and that's the owner. Fans ain't going anywhere. People can say all they want. I mean, how many people say, I'm I'm really thinking about not doing my season? You're lying. People come back. They always will. That's sports. We'll always talk about it. That's sports. That's the beauty of it. You think we won't see what the Pacers have felt? I mean, the Pacers are one of the worst in the league in attendance right now. You, You don't think we'll see any of that bleed over to the Colts? No. Because the NFL is different? Why? Yeah, it's eight games a year. 
Because people are terrified. Because people still remember the glory year. People remember like the Manning years, for example, and they're like, man, if they do get it turned around, I don't want to like well, first off what the Colts did that was brilliant Kevin is they convinced people there was a waiting list for season tickets and that if you gave yours up it was going to be forever before you could get them again so people just keep renewing out of fear of I I, I don't want to be fear of missing out FOMO right uh, Stefan Gilmore to the Cowboys a fifth round pick that is a late fifth round pick the big part of the return for the Colts is the $9.9 million they save. I understand why the Colts did this. I do. You know, I brought up, I thought Gilmore should have been traded the deadline last year. I thought trade deadline, you find a desperate team, try and take advantage of that. I am curious. I, I don't know if this is true. It's a question I'll throw to Stephen Holder here in about an hour. Is this something Stephon Gilmore kind of requested behind the scenes? Yeah, that's entirely possible. Which, you know, again, makes total sense for both parties to do that. Uh, We have a new pass rusher here in Indianapolis. We'll hit on that today. Samson uh, Ebukam comes over from the 49ers. So I would assume that that means Yannick Ngakwe's time here in Indy is indeed over. Is he, uh, you don't need Ngakwe? I was going to say, Mark, I thought maybe that would find its way into the old opener. (laughs) No, that one surprisingly didn't make the cut. Would just bring that up. No. Um, Mm-hmm. Abukam has been obviously on one of the best defensive lines in football. Um, I think you look at him as babe, probably more of a three-down guy than Ngakwe was. Ngakwe struggled on rundowns. A uh, little bit more of a consistent rusher. Uh, that was, I thought, an issue for Ngakwe at times. Again, I, I felt like you had to do something at edge. Either bring back Ngakwe or make a move. Um, I still don't think this is a guy that you just you know think you're going to get a dozen sacks out of uh, because he's not going to have the defensive player of the year opposite him like he did in San Francisco with Nick Bosa. Um, but I can understand why the Colts made a move of this nature. So a whole lot of free agency stuff to get to today. Obviously, we are one day closer to Indiana and Purdue taking the floor. Purdue will find out their opponent tonight. We saw the uh, play-in get underway last night. Uh, boy, caught the highlights of the end of that Pittsburgh-Mississippi State game. Good finish. 60 59, Pittsburgh advances, and boy, what a look. Mississippi State got a nice look, man. What a look. A corner three from Mississippi State, wide open for the win. Then they get a tip in that is a, I mean, pretty close to point blank. Uh, Chris Hagan's got to be weeping this morning, right? Well, he has to now select one of his other six schools he attended. (laughs) No, I thought he was moving on to Mississippi State baseball. Oh, first (laughs) SEC series of the weekend. Here we go. Probably has. Uh, we have a ton of guests to get to on today's show. Rob Sendroff, head coach of Kent State, going to join us here in about 20 minutes. Stephen Holder, as we mentioned, at 8. Uh, David Paget, the former Louisville interim, also former IUPUI assistant, who not only called Kent State's conference championship game, but also um, called a Florida Atlantic game earlier this year, which could be a Purdue opponent in round two. He's going to talk with us at 9, and Rafael Davis at 9.30. I I guess I should have brought this up prior to the show. I almost think for our um, numbers action, you guys think we should take like a handful of YouTubers? That's not a bad call. Let me think Those, about it. They are, got, they are a loyal They are group. loyal, diehard as they come. Um, some of them are already working right now, so maybe can't call. And with four guests, you think we should throw out five, five, uh, five numbers to them? That's not a bad call. How we work that. Mark, you just want to... Find five of them, throw their names at us, and we'll ask them for their numbers, and we'll hand them out. Sure. Look at Kevin. Going 
modern. Yeah, a little rogue. Going modern with it. By the way, speaking of... Um, I just don't know how we fit in all these calls. We still you know, got a lot of numbers to give out. Do you know what last night was? Last night was Ryan Bowen's 39th birthday. What'd yep. you do to celebrate that? Uh, we went uh, to my parents' house on Sunday. Okay. So, yeah. Which Rosie was very confused when I told her yesterday was Ryan's birthday. She goes, again? She thought Sunday was the birthday since we had the party. She didn't understand that yesterday was his actual well birthday, which to be fair, that's... Wait till next year when he's 40 and you celebrate it six times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, last night at about 8.30, something like that, was when I, it, I was alerted to the fact that even though the scheduled date was today... The new season premiere of Ted Lasso was available on Apple TV. Ooh. Ooh. I didn't know that already. Wow. Okay. Watched so it last night. We've got the final episode of Full Swing, the Netflix PJ Tour documentary, to get to um, at some point. And then it looks like Ted Lasso's got to be next, right? Was well, it good? You, I thought it was great. I, it To me... It picked right up. You, you know, I didn't watch. A lot of times this happens with TV shows that you binge watch, and then you got to wait like eight months for the next season, and you kind of forget. You know, you're like, now who exactly is that again? Or what's the story? Oh, yeah. That happened with me with, with Dead to Me, for example. Um, it picked right up. I mean, it, you knew exactly who the characters are. Um, I will not give any spoilers, but there is a reference to our fine state within the first 10 minutes. Oh, I like it. Yes, there is a reference to... Oh, they talk about Indy 11's stadium proposal? <laughs> but were you interviewed? Uh, Roy Kent actually says he, he had a few choice words about that. That's exactly uh-huh. what it was, yeah. Right. Um, all right, Mark, let's They're do this. Build, uh, uh, I know this is a little bit odd. fly by the seat of our pants here, but, you know... YOLO. Give me just one second because I'm writing down. The, I, I said first five people to give me a number that we we've, haven't selected. We've already. dropped a YOLO and a FOMO right here in the first. I mean, and, and we didn't even reference last night that SEMO was in the NCAA Our tournament Our millennial well. audience has got to be just through the roof I, I mean, right now. Mark, what do we do on this program? We educate and entertain. We also make it hip. That's uh, what we're doing uh, around here. We keep it real. Tonight right? and again, it'll be Texas <laughs> Southern and Fairleigh Dickinson. Now, now, hold on. You did it again. Texas who? Southern. Southern. It's Southern. Southern. You're putting the Southern. R. You're saying. <laughs> they will play tonight, 650, 640, something like that. Uh, Purdue will obviously take on the winner of that. And then the late game will be, uh, what, the first time I think we've seen two national champion players coach against each other in the tournament in over a decade. Is that really? right? Steve Alford and Bobby Hurley. Nevada and Arizona State, the nightcap. Uh, you see AP All-American, Zach Eady, unanimous. I was surprised Trace Jackson Davis was not unanimous. Yeah, you would think he would be, right? Uh, Trace Jackson Davis also on the first team. Jake, the last time the state of Indiana has put two guys on the first team? I know this. A.J. Guyton and your boy Luke Herringote? Close. Troy Murphy? Red Rum, Troy Murphy uh, in the year 2000. A 99-2000 season. Jalen Wilson, Kansas, Brandon Miller, Alabama, Marcus Sasser from Houston, the others on the first team. Drew Timmy was second team. I think if you want some hope for Indiana, because again, I think Kent State is a really tough matchup, frankly. I I think this is a mid-major team that is going to have little to no fear, but they are very small, and when they played Gonzaga this season, Drew Timmy had his way with them. I know Drew Timmy and Trace Jackson Davis are not the same exact player, but 
handling a big guy is handling a big guy too. They're probably to, to, more similar than degree. you think, though, right? Yeah, I just think because their footwork around the basket, stylistically, not... obviously different hands um, from a right hand, left hand standpoint. Um, but I think that would be some good news for Indiana, Indiana on that front. If you want to see the flip side of it, again, we're going to talk to Rob Senderhoff coming up here uh, in about 15 minutes. Kent State's best player, Sincere Carey, is like he's their lead guard. He's gets in the lane and not maybe a dead eye three point shooter, but can beat guys off the dribble. Jake brought up yesterday that Kent State had leads in the final three minutes at Houston and at Gonzaga. Sincere Carey, their best player, by far their best player, two of twenty two against Houston and four of fifteen against Gonzaga. So they had leads late in the game in true road games over the number one seed and the number three seed, and the best player was a combined six of thirty-seven in those two games. Right. So what happens if he just, you know, whatever shoots thirty percent, forty percent? That'll be something to keep an eye on coming up late Friday night. By the way, can you tell me what these coaches have in common? Lon Kruger, Rick Pitino, Tubby Smith, Steve Alford. Mark, do you have a guess? No idea. Multiple teams into the tournament, something along those lines? Those are the lines. only four coaches to take five different schools to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I thought those were Bruce. Does it count for Alford if they had the play-in game? Well, for a Notre Dame team that played the play-in game last year, yes. But Notre Dame did validate it with a win then in the big bracket. Um, I thought this was Bruce Weber yesterday. Three time, or three different teams he's taken to the Sweet 16. There can't be too many coaches that have done that. Southern Illinois, Illinois. And, That's uh, impressive. Lon Kruger, well, three or of those Kansas guys State, would have, I guess, right? You guys ready for the uh, numbers? Yes. All right, all right. Yep. Okay. So, so I, this is from the YouTubers, this right? This is from the YouTube chat. I said just give out the first five people to respond with the numbers that they want that we haven't already given away, okay. get numbers. So the first one off the board was by Graham Hopkins. He said number seven. So Jake. Okay. Graham Hopkins. Graham. It's kind of a localish Ooh. flavor. You know what's interesting is if you take the seed of this school and the nickname of this school, what you end up with is a lovely Halloween treat. Right? Yeah. Three seed Xavier Musketeers. Sword fight. <laughs> Nervous there what that was. Uh, all right, the next one. Okay. Jeremy Black selected 61. 61. Oh, the team that... We'll take on the winner of last night's late game. That will be Tyrese Halliburton's Iowa State Cyclone. It's not a Cyclone song. This is now, you've already used that for the yeah, Miami. Yeah, for Miami, Hurricanes. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, next up. Uh, next after that was Scotty, who selected number 18. Wait, is that Scotty Johnston? No, no. Okay. Mm, Scotty. Scotty. Uh, Scotty, all I can tell you about this team is number one it is in a very underrated city that has a sierra nevada brewery in it some beautiful views in the city as well as the unbelievably beautiful biltmore and they used to have a seven five guy who's like that was like six years ago unc Asheville. unc Asheville. the bulldog yes okay that's not a bulldog, though. Those are like there are dog. I'm sure there's a bulldog in there. He's probably no. rolling on his belly or something like that. <laughs> He's uh, in there though. Bulldogs just chortle. Uh, Tristan Jones. I feel bad for this one. Forty two. Well, again, there's multiple ways. There to, are multiple ways to, to, to win. This. That is true. Uh, yeah, Tristan's. Well, I guess he gets, he's got two teams. If you want to look for positives, that's true. 
Oh, yeah, he's got the playing game tonight. So, Tristan, who's that again, Kevin? Texas Southern against Fairleigh Dickinson. Said it correctly that time. (laughs) Uh, Texas Southern, Fairleigh Dickinson, and again, Fairleigh Dickinson, uh, mostly screwed. But, yeah, you could win largest blowout, right? Or there's never been a 16 seed winner to make a run. UMBC was a 16 seed. Say say that to the retrievers. Uh, All right, Mark, one more. And the last one was one, one higher than that, was Bill Kirsch, pick number 43. Oh, are you, baby? Never forget Oral Roberts played Memphis one year as a 16 seed. I uh, picked them to beat Memphis. They had a lead at the under four media timeout of the first half, and I literally thought that this was going to be the greatest bracket in the history of brackets. <laughs> I think Memphis went on to win by about 30 that year. Isn't that it, it, isn't it something? IPY's Summit League Conference. When you turn on a game or they flip over to a game and it's midway through the first half or, so, or even maybe early in the second half and like a 16 or 15 seed's got a three-point lead and you're like – and your brain – like everything just starts dancing in your head, right? Oh, my gosh. It's going to be unbelievable. I can't believe it. Like Kansas is going down. And you look later and you're like, they won by 38. Somebody was making a good point yesterday. I don't know how much stock to put into this, but they think a reason why you do see so many upsets in the tournament – there's longer media timeouts, so longer commercial breaks. Therefore, the mid-major teams that aren't very deep or don't want to play very, too many guys, they have longer breaks. It's possible. So if you got six or seven guys, you can rest a little bit. In between. Granted, with you know a team like Indiana right now, their rotation's around um, seven, so I guess I that think also the, helps them out. You know, scholarship limitation of years ago, I think they went from you're allowed so many to – was it like they went from 18 to 15 or 15 to 12 or some number like that? But it, but it spread players around where, you know, every school now, Kevin, not every, but for the most part, you know, all it takes is one guy to get hot, right? And you get some guy that all of a sudden gets red hot from the outside and puts out a 30-point game, you got a chance. And that's Max Ace, Mr. Oral Roberts. He did it a couple years ago in the COVID tournament, getting them to the Sweet 16. He's still there, and they've got Duke in round one as a 5-12. Again, to update on the Colts free agency front, technically 4 o'clock is when the new league year begins. Um, so that's when you'll see the Colts like officially announce Matt Gay, that signing, a Samson Ebukam as well. Um, so right now, they've made four moves. The two outside moves just mentioned right there. Ebukama, defensive end. Matt Gay, of course, the kicker. The re-signings, they've already announced because you can do that because they're your own free agents. Tyquan Lewis and EJ Speed. The guys that they've lost, Stefan Gilmore, Bobby Okereke. Some might say this is not really a loss. Brandon Faison and Matt Ryan. Free agent-wise, I would say of the notable list... You still have Paris Campbell. Again, Yannick Ngakwe, technically. Um, you would think the Ebucom signing would mean Ngakwe's gone. And then Rodney McLeod, who was a pretty important safety for you last season. Where do they stand at DB right now? Corner's a big need. And, yeah, you know, it, I mean, it is a good draft for corners based off people that you talk to. Uh, but I think, you know, I. Does the trade of Stephon Gilmore mean Kenny Moore is definitely coming back? Or again, is this the first domino? Do we see Ryan Kelly next? Do we see Kenny Moore down the road? Uh, but right now, if you are Isaiah Rogers or Dallas Flowers, you see that news yesterday and you see you say, ooh, I like that for my playing time. Yeah, I mean, that's the area. When I saw that Gilmore was out, I'm like, they, 
now do they put themselves in a position where that's they've got to use a lot of draft picks there? Is corner the second round pick? Yeah. I mean, that's – but you need receiver too, though. Kev. Right, and I we'll mean, see if the receiver domino starts to kind of fall a little bit more today. Alan Lazard to the Jets yesterday, Jacoby Myers to the Raiders. Those were the first wide receiver moves. You know, Paris Campbell, I don't think, is on the Tier 1 of free agent wideouts. Maybe he's on the Tier 2. But I think that'll be something to keep an eye on today. And I am curious this. Again, something to ask Stephen Holder coming up at 8 o'clock. Jake, how much is this cap space, which, you know, $27 million you save by cutting Ryan and trading Gilmore. How much of that is for free agency? How much of that is for potentially a quarterback move? And how much of that is just for uh, Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman have contract extensions that we need to get done later this year? It's a good question uh, because when when they started, Ryan, you knew, was the money they were going to free up. Then the Gilmore thing happens, and you're like, wait a minute, are they making seismic moves here in, in the form of like, a, I mean, dare I say a Lamar Jackson? I think people started to think that. I don't think that that's going to be the case, but I do think that Jackson three-year deal he threw out yesterday on Twitter himself—that's one that again doesn't totally change my thinking. But if you're only committing three years, would that entice a few more teams as yeah, opposed okay. to five or six? Because for me, I don't want to pay him into his thirties, which is what five or six would obviously do. So those are all things we can get into later today. Mark, please, one more time. This one for Mr. Gilmore. Yeah. It's a sad on day. His, on his way out, you got to, right? You're quite sad today. I'm pouring out a liter of my Diet Mountain Dew here this morning. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, I'll go see if any PBR is left in the fridge, and we'll pour <laughs> one down the drain for that. Rob Senderoff, head coach of Kent State, going to talk to us here in about five or ten minutes. Stephen Holder at eight, David Padgett at nine to chat about not only Kent State, but Florida Atlantic, and then coming up at 9.30, Rayful Davis from the Big Ten Network and, of course, a Purdue Boilermaker. Good Wednesday morning to you. Kevin and Corey, 93.5, The Fan. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. With Avery Johnson's voice still ringing in my ears, we have two teams that <laughs> Shoot have the ball. moved on in the NCAA tournament. The Islanders of Texas A&M Corpus Christi, that is head coach, former Matt Painter assistant Steve Lutz. They're moving on to take Alabama. That will be Thursday. They beat SEMO, Southeast Missouri, 75-71 last night in the first game. In the second game, boy, the fighting Chris Hagens had a great look from the corner. Uh, Mississippi State, and then a tipping at the buzzer to win it. They missed both. So Pittsburgh advances there to take on Iowa State. I can't believe that's Pittsburgh's first tournament win in nine years. Really? That was crazy when they said that, that. I was like, is that for real? No, I'm just used to like Dewan Blair, Pittsburgh in the East. Big East, that is. But yeah, it's been a. Both knees uh, wrapped up. Out literally. There, right? um, and then tonight it'll be Texas Southern. Yes, there you go. Yeah. Against Fairleigh Dickinson. The winner gets Purdue on I think Friday. It's Farley. I'm just kidding. And then Arizona State and Nevada. The winner of that one gets TCU coming up. Uh, association right. last night in the NBA, I should say. Thank you. I already Mark. did a switch. You want another one? I'll give you another one. Okay. Can you give me one more? Thank you. Uh, Giannis, 36-11 and 11 last night as the Bucks beat the Phoenix Suns. Jake, that's great, but I don't live in Milwaukee. I don't live in Phoenix. Why are you mentioning that? Well, I'll tell you why. Pacers in Milwaukee tomorrow night to take on the Bucks. That is the Blue and Golds return back after a few days off. They've probably been kicking back watching the opening rounds of the NCAA tournament between Texas Southern and 
Farley Dickinson. Bucks have won 10 in a row over Indiana, and not a single game has been decided by less than nine points. <laughs> they have kind of owned them, right? Yes, uh, and like you said, Giannis back this week, 46-36 and 36 in his first two games. All right, Rob Senderoff, head coach of the Kent State Golden Flashes. He joins us next on Kevin McCoy. All right, join us right now on the Payless List. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. St. Jude treats children across the country and around the world, regardless of color, creed, or financial capability, because they're committed to love and care for their neighbors. Join me in helping St. Jude give every child with cancer the chance they deserve to survive. Together, we can save more lives. Call now to become a partner in hope. 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Did you know St. Jude has one of the largest pediatric sickle cell programs in the country? St. Jude freely shares the discoveries they make, and every child saved at St. Jude means doctors and scientists worldwide can use this knowledge to save thousands more children everywhere. Join me today in helping to fight sickle cell disease by becoming a partner in hope. Call now, 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. Here's Hotline, 28-6 on the air. It's been a hell of a season uh, for the MAC champions. That will be Kent State, and Indiana's going to see them coming up Friday night. It is the late tip in Albany. And a man with quite a few ties, not only to the opponent, but to Albany as well. He is the head coach of the Golden Flashes, Rob Senderhoff. Coach, good morning. Great. How are you? We are doing great. Uh, When you saw IU flash up, when you saw Albany flash up, and by the way, you went to Albany, uh, your emotions of seeing, again, a team in a location you've got a lot of connections to. Yeah, the the emotion was excitement for for our players' opportunity to play in the NCAA tournament. Quite honestly, we could have been playing anybody and anywhere, and and I would have been uh, ecstatic because when when you you're in the Mid American Conference, it's incredibly incredibly hard uh, to get to the NCAA tournament, and uh, just so happy for for my players and and the community of Kent, the university. Um, and, and all the people that will be cheering for us. You know, once you got past coach, and, and we know that obviously you have history having coached at Indiana and, and what took place at the end at Indiana, but once you got over that thought process and then put the tape in and started watching and analyzing Indiana, this installment of the Hoosiers that Mike Woodson has, what jumps out at you and, and what things are going to be a challenge for your players? Yeah, um, Obviously, I mean, I'm not the first person to have said this, but, you know, Trace Jackson Davis, uh, you know, I I don't get a chance. I I watch a lot of college basketball, but I don't, you know, I'm not studying teams outside of the conference, basically. And and I I certainly watch more than my share of Big Ten basketball, but I did not realize just how good he is. I mean, oh, my gosh. Um, So that certainly – stood out first is how efficient he is, you know, how athletic he is, uh, how smart a player he is, and, and then how well 
you know, from a coaching standpoint, just looking at how well Coach Woodson, you, you know, utilizes his strength as a player. Um, that's what first, you know, stood out. And then the physicality in which they play, obviously playing in the Big Ten, but, you know, also having, you know, Race Thompson, him, uh, Reno, uh, that's a physical, physical team. Trey Galloway is, is physical and athletic, like, the the uh, the physicality of which they play, and then lastly, you know the unique talent that Jalen Hood Shapino is. So you look at it and you say, okay, now you you see why they're a four seed and why they're you know at the top of the Big Ten. Um, and and it's incredibly impressive how 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 they play, Coach. I know they aren't the exact same players, but you know whenever these All American teams are going to be announced, they both will likely be on the first team All American uh, team. Do you draw back on facing Drew Timmy at all earlier this season in the matchup with Trace Jackson Davis again? Different players, but certainly yeah. very productive big guys. Yeah, it's 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 a really. It, I, I'm glad you brought that up because what we tried to do is give our players and as, as we discuss their team you know player comps guys that they would know in, in our league or or that we've played so to me you know trace uh jackson davis is sort of a combination in in my world of drew timmy and our, the best big player in our league names enrique freeman from akron um who's really athletic like traces Drew Timmy's not quite the athlete that Trace is, um, but they're both un- incredibly good players. Uh, Drew Timmy and Trace Jackson Davis are two of the best front court players in the country, and um, certainly having that experience playing against Drew Timmy is, is a good one for us. Unfortunately, we didn't do a good job guarding <laughs> Drew Timmy. Um, so, so you know that 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 I didn't want to bring him up too much because he he had a dominant game against us. Well, Coach, if you look at, and I know it probably feels at times like five years ago when you start looking during the course of a season back at November and December, and we're now in March, but you know, you had, and a lot's been made of this, close loss to College or Charleston, who's in the tournament, five-point loss to Houston, who's the number one seed, seven-point loss to Gonzaga. Of those games, which one do you now look back on and say, I'm glad we went through that because that's the game our team learned the most? Yeah, honestly, I think it was all of them. You know, I, I think we, we took a trip down to to College of Charleston right before Thanksgiving uh, and, and lost a, a heartbreaking game to them. We missed a shot at the buzzer, and they hit a three with 17 seconds to go to, to take the lead. Um, we then followed it up, and we didn't know at that time just how good College of Charleston was going to be, uh, but we knew they were good. We followed that up by playing Houston, and we led for, you know, we didn't lead for for a ton of the game, but we led with two minutes to go in the game. And our kids showed tremendous, tremendous resiliency in that game because we got down eight, and we were struggling to score, which a lot of teams do against Houston. But we kept getting stop after stop after stop and made a couple big plays, and all of a sudden, two minutes to go, we're up a point. Um, and to their credit, you know, their, their great players made some huge plays down, down the stretch. Um, so after that, you know, Houston game, I think our players knew like 
they were they were getting ready to be number one in the country after that game that week. Um, they knew, hey, we we've got a, a good team, and then we went out to Gonzaga and. In that game, we led for for a majority of the game, and I think after that one, they had won sixty nine. That we were their sixty ninth straight home win at the time. I think it got up to seventy three before they finally lost. But I think after that game, like we we knew, you know that that we were good enough to to play on this stage that we're going to be on here on Friday, but. Again, the Mid American Conference is such a such a hard league, um, and then you've got to play really well. You know those three games in March uh, up in Cleveland, which is where our tournament is. And you know, again, to our guys' credit, we lost a game to Ball State late in the season at Ball State, um, and, and Coach Lewis has done a really good job. Another IU person has done a really good job there with his in his first year, but after after that game we we sort of circled back up and you know sort of recommitted to what we needed to do to be successful and then we've had a great run uh since then and now we're just excited to be in the tournament it's gonna be friday night in albany kent state against indiana rob senderhoff the head coach of kent state joining us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline, you've been there since 2011 as the head coach. You look at your team, a lot of veterans from a scoring standpoint. You guys certainly aren't the biggest team in college basketball, but I was talking with some people that watched you play against Ball State this year. You get after people defensively, but you can score. I mean, this is not some slow it down. We want games necessarily into the you know 50s. So for those that haven't seen your team play, Coach, how would you describe your guys' style? Yeah, well, we try to compete. I mean, that's the first thing. Uh, and we are a defensive-oriented team, uh, but we don't play slow. And, and you, you just said that, like, we're not going to walk the ball up the floor. Um, we are going to try to get out and, and play in, with some pace. Uh, you know, we're, we're not the most skilled team in the world, but we have a number of guys that can make shots, and, you know, our four-man can shoot it. Uh, Myron Thomas, you know, obviously sincere carry our point guard, you know, he's a scorer playmaker type guy. Um, We're not big, but we're physical as well. You know, similar to IU, just not the size that IU has. Um, and, 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 you know, the biggest thing is our calling card, so to speak, would be on the defensive side of the ball in trying to create turnovers. Um, and flying around on that end of the floor. So, you know, when we're playing a team like Indiana, who, who's as good as they are and as, you know, they, they've got great talent and, and, and a great team, you know, we'll have to find a way to create some turnovers to have a chance to win the game. Um, and that's easier, you know, it's easier said than done. But that's what we'll have to do. And we will have to get out and transition a little bit and, um and see if we can can make some shots because I think you know from the from the standpoint of being in the MAC, you know, to have any chance at an upset, you, you got to be able to make some some shots. So we'll have to have some guys step up and make some for us uh, here Friday night to have any opportunity to stay with Indiana. Coach, the reality is that you know one of the storylines, and I don't know that it's a major storyline in this matchup, but one of them that that will be mentioned certainly, I would assume is the fact that you coached in Indiana 
with Kelvin Sampson. I, I think the fact that you were given, I think it's called a show clause for allegations of NCAA improprieties at Indiana, but were still able to be hired by Kent State probably speaks to the fact that those allegations were a rule that no longer, I don't think, if I'm not mistaken, would be a violation today. But our former mutual colleague, Dan Dockich, was very outspoken about your time at Indiana and his criticism of it. What would be your reaction or your commentary, I guess, if you will, about how things happened and ended at Indiana and your overall recollections of your time there? Yeah, it's a fair question from you. And, and you know, I don't want – to me, the tournament shouldn't be about me. It should be about my, my team and my players. But it, it's certainly a fair question to ask. I, I, I think I owned up to all of my mistakes at IU and – you're right, the, the rules are no longer rules, but at the time they were, and those are mistakes that I've owned up to, and, and I still do to this day. I accept responsibility for what what I did, um, which was make phone calls that I wasn't supposed to have made. So I, I take ownership of that. I, I, I'm not going to shy away from that. Um, at, at the same time that I say that, I, I, I'm just thinking like a guy like Jalen hood Shafino. I think he was three, maybe four, when when that happened. Um, the tournament is about Jalen Hood-Shafino and Trace Jackson-Davis and Sincere Carey and Malik Jacobs. It, it's really not about Rob Senderoff. I don't think Coach Woodson knows, you know, he probably knows who I am now because we're playing him, but two weeks ago he probably couldn't pick me out of a lineup. Um, and that's okay because – I, I certainly know him as being a, a legendary coach. Um, but, you know, this isn't about that to me. And I, I respect that you have to ask the question. And, and I hope that I'm giving a fair answer to that, if that makes sense. And um, certainly there's some clickbait, you know, that people want to bring that up. And I get that. But the story of the NCAA tournament is, is really the story of the players and and the programs and how they get there. And, you know, this is the third time Kent State has played Indiana in the NCAA tournament. We've only been in it seven times. Uh, the last time IU won and went to the Final Four, uh, having beat Kent State. Like, to me, that's the cooler storyline than, you know, 2006 phone calls, in my opinion. You know, one of the things that, that jumped out at me, Coach, you're the winningest coach now in Kent State history, if I'm not mistaken. And as I had mentioned, when that all went down, Kent State was the place that gave you that opportunity and, and kind of gave you that chance, that that second lease, if you will. I would assume that probably the opportunity has come for you to go elsewhere, but is there a loyalty there because of the fact that I would think there would be? You know, hey, these guys yeah. looked out for me when I needed it. There were people here that I had prior to coming to IU, I had worked at Kent for a number of years, and there were people here that knew me very well and believed in my character uh, and believed in giving me a second opportunity, which, you know, I, I am forever indebted to those people uh, and appreciative of those people. Uh, they, they know who they are. Um, and when we went to the first NCAA tournament in 2017 that when I was as a coach and won the league in 2015 and now here in 23, like I am incredibly appreciative 
of what Kent State has afforded me and my family. Um, and, and I feel like I do my best every day to try to justify the decision that, that they made to give me that opportunity. And, and I appreciate you saying it the way you said it, too. Coach, last one, and thank you for the time and entertaining all the questions here uh, this morning. When you look at that box score, and it's probably going to be the wee hours of Saturday morning as Friday night bleeds into Saturday morning, when you look at that box score right after the final buzzer, what will be, you think, the biggest key if you guys are going to pull off this upset on Friday night? Yeah, probably our ability, if we can guard, like if we can guard and keep them off the free throw line and uh, create some turnovers and uh, you know, and and make them miss some shots. Um, you know, then then those are the type of opportunities you have to to spring an upset. If uh, if if every time down the floor they're scoring against us because we can't stop them with their physicality and and skill because they have tremendous skill as well uh, and athleticism, then then it's going to be tough for us. So. Our calling card is defense, so I, I would always look at those those stats to see, hey, if if those things are, are in the low 40s percent-wise and we create a bunch of turnovers, then, you know, the, the NCAA tournament is about those upsets. We certainly believe we, we, we could do it, um, but we also respect the heck out of, out of IU and, and the program and the players. And, and know it's going to be a, a heck of a battle for us, for sure. Well, Coach, we appreciate the time and certainly wish you the best of luck. I know Indiana fans will be pulling for Indiana, but certainly wish you um, the best of luck. And should you pull off the upset, the best of luck in advancing in the NCAA tournament. Safe travels, all right? Great. Thank you, and, and thank you for how you, you handled me personally here today. Uh, agreed and reciprocated. Appreciate it, Coach. Thank you, Coach. All right, thanks. All right, thanks, guys. If you missed that, Rob Senderoff, head coach of Kent State, joining us. And obviously you heard it there at the end. I thought, first off, Jake, I thought the question needed to be asked. So thank you for asking it. Um, I don't think it's something you need to spend a ton of time on in a 15-minute interview. But it's the elephant in the room when, I mean, I tweeted out Sunday night when the bracket came out. I go, get your popcorn ready, considering Rob Senderhoff and how IU fans view him. I thought he handled it very well. Yeah, I listen. I totally understand, and maybe it's fair for people if they want to criticize that I, we I didn't go more harsh or more in on. Because the perfect amount of time spent on it. Because I, you know, I've made no bones about the fact that I wasn't a fan of Kelvin Sampson, um, but at the same time, it was 15 years ago. I, I, yeah. I think he makes a valid point there. It was 15 years ago. 90% um, of the interview focused on Friday night. 10% can focus yeah. on that. I mean, there's no doubt it was an elephant in the room. But I thought he handled it very well. 9.55 Friday night. IU favored by about four last I checked. All right, we'll get back into the Colts free agency with Stephen Holder coming up next. A lot of moves yesterday for the Colts. We'll chat with him about it. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 
St. Jude treats children across the country and around the world, regardless of color, creed, or financial capability, because they're committed to love and care for their neighbors. Join me in helping St. Jude give every child with cancer the chance they deserve to survive. Together, we can save more lives. Call now to become a partner in hope. 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. Sorry, Mark. I got excited there. First and 15, Mark. Is that right? <laughs> False Behind start. the chains already. Which uh, the Colts offense was never a good thing. Try this, like try this all over again. Uh, 8 o'clock, now 8.01 actually, in Indianapolis on a little bit of a brisk start, but a good-looking morning this morning on what is today? Wednesday, Mark? It's Wednesday, yeah. Hump Day Wednesday, which means Stephen Holder joins us on the Payless Sickers Hotline. Of course, you can read Stephen's work at ESPN.com. Stephen, I'll get right to this one for you. Uh, maybe I'm naive. That wouldn't be the first time by any stretch. I was a little surprised by the Stephon Gilmore trade, and then I started to have this thought of this might be proof in the pudding that the Colts are actually stripping this thing down even further than I anticipated. Um, talk me off that ledge. Am I wrong? So I, it, it caused many thoughts in my mind as well. And so, no, you're not wrong. And, and this is one of those instances where I'll say whatever thought you had was probably at some level justified on this one. Now, I think there's, a, there's an explanation here if we want to accept it that, you know, here's a, a veteran player who's in a bad situation. I talked to Gilmore a lot last year. He was not thrilled with the situation. <laughs> Newsflash, right? Uh, a guy who came here with some high hopes and it didn't work out. So, look, I mean, he, he didn't love it, right? There's no question about that. And he doesn't have a lot of time left. Uh, he's going to be 33, I think. So, you know, look, on some level, this may be just kind of doing the guy a solid and saying, hey, uh, you got a decent salary this year, um, so trading you it has some benefit for us, and it, and it also does you a favor by getting you to a team that has some some postseason hopes, per, perhaps. Right. So, so that is one explanation that you can perhaps accept. On the other hand, I think people need to know what the plan is. That's where I'm at right now because this is a less talented team right now. I mean, at the end of the day, the the signing or an expected signing of Samson Abukum. I like that player, but really that's a wash when you think about Yannick Ngakwe probably not coming back. Talking about the, the San Francisco 49ers defensive end who they're going to be bringing in. That's a wash. You couple that with Bobby Okereke. I never expected him to return, but he's gone, right? Then you talk about Gilmore gone, a huge piece on defense last year. And the additions are basically Matt Gay and a replacement for Ngakwe. So the net, the net so far is a negative in terms of talent acquisition. It's a negative right now. And, by the way, also, we don't know what's going to happen at quarterback. At, at best, it's going to be a, a rookie quarterback who is going to need a lot of help around him. So I don't know, man. I, I think I would want to hear, as a Colts fan, I want to know what the plan is and what are you doing here? Where, where's all this going? Yeah, I'm really curious, Stephen, like, are they going to be as public about their plan as the Pacers are right now? I mean, the yeah. Pacers were, like, very vocal. And, and, you know, I brought it up in the opening hour of, like, 
Karis Levert led to Sabonis, led to Brogdon, like those three separate trades. Like, was the Gilmore move the first of a couple that we see? Maybe not all trades, but maybe obviously a cut or two. I, I also had this thought. Again, I thought this is something they could have done last year, the trade deadline, considering the trajectory of the season at that point. You think Stephon Gilmore quietly requested to be traded? I wonder. I, I don't know for sure, but I do wonder. I do wonder. I. It, it would not surprise me. Let's put it that way. I cannot put words in his mouth. I don't know, but it would not surprise me, and it would make a lot of sense because that one I did not necessarily see coming. I thought that his salary for the coming year, you know, for for a higher caliber cornerback, I, I think they had a. I think he had a cap number of eleven plus or twelve million. You know, look, that was fine. I thought, yeah, you know, manageable. for what his for his production, I thought that was fine. I thought he was really really good last year like quietly like one of the best players on the team last year no question about it and i know that doesn't sound like much on a four-win team but you talk about consistent and at 32 years old playing 16 games after he had two years of you know real major injury concerns i thought that was a win for the colts and i think he really brought something to the locker room as well so i was i was pretty surprised so I do wonder whether he did come to the team and, and ask to go somewhere else. Stephen Holder from ESPN.com, and he's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. You know, yesterday you could say probably an admittance by the franchise of their 2023 outlook in in one way, which is not something we typically see, certainly from the Colts. Um, you know, opening up the cap space, the $9 million in savings for Gilmore, I think it was 17 on the Matt Ryan front. Stephen, do you view this cap space as like – you know, we need a backup quarterback. We need to make some other moves. We need to make a massive splash at quarterback, i.e., Lamar Jackson. Or do you look at it and say, you know what, we got extensions coming up for Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman. We need to clear some space for them. So I I have wondered whether it could be the former, right? And and the former being, do they have something else in mind, right? And and Lamar Jackson is the thing that comes to mind. Look, I can sit here. And I'm welcome. I'm more than happy to have this conversation. I can sit here and make a very compelling case that they should call Lamar Jackson today. Damn it. I think they should absolutely call him. Do I think they're going to have a serious conversation about Lamar Jackson? No. <laughs> what would be the length no. of that contract you would, you would offer? So this is the hard part, right? We kicked this around in the media room yesterday, right? When we were talking to the coordinators and I can't remember who said it, but I, I think there was a there was a, a thought that maybe a, a three year one fifty kind of deal could be compelling. I mean, Lamar is what twenty six, so he could come out of that contract at twenty nine years old and go make another boatload of money when the salary cap's even higher. But I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think for him, he has to he has to kind of communicate what he wants and what his priorities are. And this is where I think him not having an agent is problematic. I don't know what the hell he wants. <laughs> I just don't. And and teams kind of don't want to deal with the player. You know, I mean, Baltimore has already had a hard time dealing with him, right? And And teams understand that, and they see it from afar. So, I mean, do they want to engage him? I mean, they might, but I, I certainly don't think it's – their preferred way of doing this. I mean, I think he needs an advocate and someone who kind of understands the lay of the land. That has nothing to do with whether I think teams are are kind of 
operating as a pack here. I, I think they are, and they don't want to to even engage him on a fully guaranteed deal. I, you know, whether you want to call it collusion, that's your choice. But do I think they're working in in tandem as a collective? A little bit, yeah, sure. But that, but two things can be true at once. And I, I think on the other side of the coin, Lamar is handling this in in an unwise fashion by going it alone. I think this is too complex, and he needs an, he needs a representative. But anyway, as it relates to the Colts, I, I just think that's the problem for me is I don't know what he wants, and and I just think for the Colts, huge guarantees. That's like they're allergic to huge guaranteed money. They just are. It's just not what they do. Stephen, either way, what we know, Stephen Holder's our guest. He's on the Payless Hookers Hotline. He's with ESPN.com, ESPN. Either way, Stephen, what we know now is that, and I think I think it's seventh straight. We're going to have a seventh straight season with a different quarterback starting on opening day for the Colts. Um, they have tried, you know, they did a test balloon with Phillip Rivers. They thought they had the guy in Carson Wentz. They got Matt Ryan. We saw what happened. Matt Ryan by Friday is probably going to be calling Biff Ward. I, either way, this seems to be Chris Ballard getting like a third lease on a, on a rebuild. And I, Look, I don't hate him for it. I, if you can convince the owner to, to give you that kind of leash, good for you. I, don't get me wrong. But is this somewhat unprecedented in the NFL that a guy gets this many chances to get it right? Um, it's it's rare. I'll say that. I mean, I think the the first rebuild was he didn't have a choice, and I think it was it was understood. I think that was something that he and Jim Mersey discussed as a condition of him taking the job, right? Back in 2017, and he looked at the roster and he said, "Your team sucks." <laughs> and I'm going to tear it down. And Jim Mercy said, okay, yes, sir. Now, that was the right thing to do. And and it had a, a pretty quick turnaround, right, in 2018. Obviously, they kind of went into a period after Andrew Luck's retirement where no one ever said rebuild. And, and I don't think I would consider it a rebuild. But they were trying to do it on the fly, trying to, trying to resolve the quarterback situation on the fly. And that's perhaps where the mistake was made they never got it right. So you had this viable football team with a completely non-viable quarterback situation. And the net effect of that is your team kind of is still not very effective. So I, I don't know. I guess what I'm saying is, is it a third rebuild? Not really, but, but it's definitely a, a situation where they haven't really achieved a lot of results in the end. And that's the bottom line. There are circumstances to that. That's true. But maybe that's why this could be kind of a teardown. Maybe that's why. I'm not saying that's where they're going, but I'm just telling you, I think this team's a long way away from being really good next year. I just don't think they're going to have immediate success at quarterback. I think that's just hard to do. And and I think that's going to keep them from being a team that's, that's in contention for the playoffs. I, I don't see it right now. Um, and, and just the other concerns that they had last year, I think, you know, raised the question that, you know, look, I don't think you can consider yourself a, a playoff team. So if they agree on that, maybe they want to take a little bit longer view of this. Look, Chris Ballard was allowed to hire a new head coach who's a young head coach. He's going to have a new head, a new quarterback. I mean, that is those are long-term propositions, right? You're not going to have quick results from that. So if Jim Mercer understands that and is – and is willing to be patient, 
given the circumstances, then maybe this is not a make-or-break year for Chris Ballard. I actually don't think that it is. But I think the fans are impatient, and that's where this is going to be complicated for all parties involved. Steve, I kind of want to expand on that. Stephen Holder, ESPN.com, with us here on the Payless Stickers Hotline. And it's probably more of a Jim Mersey thought process, which, you know, sorry that I'm trying to have you do that here on this Wednesday morning, but welcome to our lives. Like, you haven't won a division in eight years. You haven't drafted a quarterback in the first three rounds since luck. Um, you just went 4-12-1 and had one of the most embarrassing seasons in your ownership. Um, you have the fourth overall pick, and there's a chance they might not take a quarterback. Like That is at least being discussed. Or you might have the fourth quarterback choice, depending on what Arizona does with that third pick. Like, Do you think that's something he could accept? I mean, you talk about injecting hope into your fan base, or, or you know, any, or, or just for your franchise, the best path for your franchise. Do you think he could accept that? Like, nah, we'll just trade back, or we'll take Will Anderson. Well, what do we know about Jim Mercedes? He loves him a splash, right? He loves a splashy move. Does any of that sound like splash to you? It doesn't, right? I mean. I don't get splash vibes from any of that. (laughs) Now, I'm not saying he's just some kind of idiot and doesn't understand football. He very much understands football, and he can be pragmatic and all those things, right? But, but we know he's got this he's got this this fan deep down inside him, right? That that in a lot of ways he's a lot like Joe Sixpack. He wants he wants that splash, and he wants to feel good about his team. And, and none of that really gives you any of those vibes. And so none of what you outlined, right, as, as a possibility. So I do think there's a, there's a part of him that is probably having a hard time with this. <laughs> you know, even if he thinks they're, they're doing the right thing and he's willing to be patient, both of those things can be true. doesn't mean he's going to love it, you know. And so we'll see. I, I don't know. That's why I'm just telling you that's why – the Lamar Jackson conversation for me, I can't completely dismiss it because, I mean, what else are you offering? You know, what are you offering people? I mean, if you get the third quarterback, the third best quarterback, I mean, it may turn out to be a great move. That may be what sets this thing on the right trajectory in the long term. But we're not going to know that in six months. You know, I don't think we are. I don't, you know, I just, it's very hard to feel good about the Colts today. I just, I don't feel very positive about the trajectory of their team in the near future. I just don't. Steven, I have one last Colts question, and then I do have a college basketball question for you, which I'm sure you can Mm. predict. But um, (laughs) in your opinion or your prognostication, what are the next moves here for the Colts? What are we going to see over the next three or four days in terms of other players that all of a sudden I might be getting an alert from Steven Holder of, hey, this player's just been moved or there's discussion about it? So I, I think from the from a free agency standpoint, my expectation is you are going to see this is what I, I'm just anticipating this. I think you're gonna see some some moves that are oh, that's a nice player, but not things that necessarily really move the needle. You know, I think along the lines of the Abekum I can't say his name. <laughs> Abukum signing last night, right? I mean, a guy who people say, Huh, nice player but not something where you're going to run out and buy a season ticket. You know, uh, I think you could see some of those. And, and really what that tells me is they're probably going to tread lightly and not necessarily go all in 
on on much of anything right now because their team is in a transitional phase. I don't. I'm starting to think that maybe for them, they don't see this as the time to kind of go big. This is a transitional time. They've got to figure out who they are, what's their identity, and what they're going to be over the coming years. And, you know, when you're in that position, you're not going out and signing, you know, guys to, to 60 and $70 million contracts. It, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense in the grand scheme. You know, the, the problem with that is what are you selling your fans? And so I, I think the other guys on the other side of that, you asked me what to anticipate. I, I want to see what, if anything, happens with the likes of Kenny Moore. We know that this was not an ideal situation for him. Uh, he's going to want a new contract. And to do that, he's going to want to be somewhere where he can be productive. This scheme is not that for him. So I think he would be open to moving. We'll have to see whether an opportunity arises. His salary is very much uh, something that can be accommodated by another team. So I think he would be someone with, with decent trade value. Yeah, about eight million in cap savings if you were to get rid of Kenny Moore. All right, before Jake gives you or wants to know the breakdown of Jim Laranega's Hurricanes, um, <laughs> we'll end with this one. Better chance come March twenty fifth, Paris Campbell's on this team or Ryan Kelly? Hmm. Uh, I think Campbell, a free agent. That's... Kelly, two years left on his deal. Yeah. Again, cap savings would be actually a little bit more, particularly in 2024, than the Kenny Moore cut. I actually think that two things. I think that Ryan Kelly, I don't think they're as down on Ryan Kelly as people think, even though his name has come up in, in you know, maybe being available for trade. I get why he'd be available, but that also doesn't mean they think he's a terrible player. I actually don't think they're as down on him as people think. However, uh, and, and the, I guess the other side of that is um, I also don't think that the trade value there is, is very high. You know, I, I just don't think you're going to get a ton for him. What's the return on Ryan Kelly and who's willing to pay that money for a guy coming off a, a poor season, right? So I just don't think they can move him. They'd have to cut him, and I, I don't think that really gets you anything. I don't think that nets you anything. At this point, bring him back, see if he can bounce back. Uh, he's healthy as far as I know and see if you can kind of get some synergy going there with the interior of that offensive line, get him a, a, a more a consistent piece to the right of him and see if they can get the middle of that offensive line going with the new scheme. So I, I think Ryan Kelly, I'm leaning towards saying he's back. Um, Paris Campbell, I think as each day goes by, it becomes more likely because frankly, the wide receiver market right now is kind of a joke. Um, so his, the team that views him most favorably is this one. So we'll see. Uh, but I, I think right now Ryan Kelly stays, and then Paris Campbell, we'll see because he's out there. We'll have to see what happens with him. Just a quick bit of Colts news uh, being reported that Ashton Doolin has re-signed to the Colts, so they bring back one of their best special teamers and probably a back end of a wide receiver depth piece. So makes sense on that front. Yep, yep. Uh, Steven, before we let you go, for those that don't know, Steven Holder of ESPN, you are – a graduate of the University of Miami, mm-hmm. so I would assume that that means maybe peripherally from the basketball standpoint, but that you do keep tabs on Miami athletics. There is the chance that Indiana would face Miami in the second round of the NCAA tournament. The Hurricanes open with Drake, Indiana opening, of course, with Kent State. Um, should that matchup come to fruition, what would it look like for Indiana? What is your scouting report on Miami's 2023 basketball team? 
So I'm ashamed to say I've watched them very little this year. But I, so I'm not going to, I can't give an in-depth scouting report. That's other than scar I just, tissue from the football season? <laughs> well, a long, a long uh, off season of Colts football primarily, <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, one that, that seemingly won't end. Well, actually, it won't start. There is no off season. I have not, I have not seen any Correct. light at the end of this tunnel. But anyway, that being said, um, look, they're, they're always, they're always going to be a, you know, tough nose in-your-face defense kind of team, I think take on the, the, the personality of their coach as, as a team should, right? And, you know, Larinak is intense. You know how he is. Um, the other thing I would say is I'm kind of looking forward to there being a possible matchup with IU because, <laughs> I, look, I have nothing to lose there, right? <laughs> I have nothing to lose. If Miami loses, eh, no sweat off my You know, it's basketball at Miami, right? Now, if IU loses, I will uh, I will probably enjoy uh, IU fans' uh, heads exploding. I won't say anything. I'll just watch and just you know let it play out. But that'll be fun. Steven searching hashtag IUBB on Twitter <laughs> if that right. happens. Yes, Miami. <laughs> right. There you go. Blaring in the holder. You know household. they're German, the Scorpions. Did you know that? I did know that. Yeah. Stevens, I'm sure, has seen them in concert quite often there. Uh, Miami Drake, that is 725 on Friday night. So pace yourself on St. Patrick's Day, Stephen. All right. That sounds good, but I, I probably won't listen to it. So. Stephen Holder, <laughs> ESPN.com. Thank you, Stephen. All right, guys. Take care. Again, Ashton Doolin uh, reported that he will return to the Colts. So him and EJ Speed, a couple good special teamers for new special teams coordinator Brian Mason. Jake, I'm sure you've gotten those moments where you're like, man, I'm starting to get old. Um, I got that yesterday uh, in the press conference when Brian Mason's like, yeah, I'm a 2005 Zionsville High School grad. I'm like, dude, you're three years older than me, and you're a special teams coordinator of an NFL team. Yeah. Just just wait. Wait till guys that you – wait till you're sitting back watching an NBA game and – Oh, yeah, Frank Gore's kids running for how many yards oh, yeah. in college football? You're watching the, the sons of guys your age. You're like, wait, what? Kenyon Martin's kids dunking on the Pacers last yeah. week? I'm like – Gosh, I think you feel that when like the NFL draft comes up and you see guys that are born in like the 2000s and stuff. Now you're like, oh boy. Yeah. How about when you're starting to see the retirement of guys that you covered when they were drafted? We haven't. Was that their kids are playing now? That's what I was saying. Yeah. It's rough, man. We haven't talked a lot about that Miami Drake matchup. Miami, very talented, kind of guard oriented team. Their big guys a little banged up. Jake, we kind of forget. Remember, Miami was elite eight team last year. Yeah. They beat Iowa State. It was kind of that you know messed up bottom half of Jim Kansas' region. Drake, their head coach, uh, I think it's DeVries, how you spot, uh, pronounce his last name. He's been there for a while. His son is their best player. That, that kind of has a mid-major feel to it. Anytime that you see that, uh, really impressive wing. They've got a big dude that's got some bulk to him, so if they were to advance, that would be a much different matchup for Trace Jackson Davis and what he'll see with Kent State or what he'll see even with Miami. But uh, they won all three games in Arch Madness by double digits. They've won 13 of 14. I think Drake is kind of a trendy, uh, which I guess all the 12 seats are some level of trendy. Make but a great coffee cake. I think a lot of people. Not a bad rapper. See if Drake could. Uh, Will he be um, courtside? He should be. He should be, yeah. He's probably rocking an Alabama jersey, though. By the way, do you guys know... Tucky Ballcap. Yeah. I'm, I'm 99% certain I'm correct in this. 
Do you know the smallest school in the NCAA tournament by undergraduate enrollment? Smallest? Oh, boy. Um, boy, I would have to look long and hard at this bracket. Um, Furman. I'll say Furman. Maybe some like yeah. small private school. Is it Furman? It is. Like 2,700 kids. Colgate's not very big. Colgate's only like 3,300. How big Xavier? Uh, Xavier's like 11,000. Is it, it over double digits? I think. Let's look. You know what you do with, with Colgate? It's at capacity. You just roll it a little further and you get the last little drop out. <laughs> A little more space. <laughs> they they actually pull. Jake is really rubbing off on you here. Mm-hmm. They pull about. 5%. Now you said you're out next week, Mark. I am. Yeah, probably okay. a much needed vacation. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah, it's been almost three weeks since you've taken a vacation. You're <laughs> it's right. True. It's, How big's Northwestern? I'm going to guess Northwestern's eight thousand. Uh, Xavier, by the way, sixty-eight hundred for Xavier. That's smaller than I would have guessed. Uh, Northwestern, you asked. You got to easily be the smallest Big Ten school, right? Well, that is almost a certainty, right? Uh, 21,000 for Northwestern. Wow. I was gonna say. That's Gosh. that's bigger than I would have guessed. There's that many smart people? <laughs> they don't all show up to their games, though. Their sporting events. I have noticed that from a crowd. No, they, they like those Chicago alums. Right? Standpoint. All right, coming up at 9 o'clock, David Padgett, the former Louisville interim, actually a uh, assistant coach for Todd Howard and the Jags here at IPUI for a brief period. I should give some more numbers away soon. Yeah. Too. We I, have a busy 9 o'clock hour. I think we'll do that as well. But yeah, David Padgett, 9 o'clock, he's called, they called Kent State's MAC title game, called Florida Atlantic as well, kind of on the mid-major scene. I know he has an upset pick that he likes of a um, 13 seed. So really? We'll chat with him about that. And Rayfield Davis at 9.30. But as Mark said, 317-239-1070. We should give away some numbers here. Coming up, uh, let's do a morning check down. The morning check down. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. All right, Jake, two games into the tournament. Last night, it was Texas A&M Corpus Christi, coached by former Purdue assistant Steve Lutz. They advanced 75-71 over Southeast Missouri State. Just saying those two teams takes about 13 seconds. Uh, (laughs) Pittsburgh beat Mississippi State 60-59 in the second game. Jake, that finish was pretty wild. It was. uh, Mississippi State had an open look out of the corner, missed it. Wide open. Had a chance for a putback, and it was kind of blocked. And Pitt survives. And you had mentioned for the Panthers their first NCAA tournament win in eight years. Is that right? I thought it was nine, but yeah, crazy, crazy. Then they they now get Iowa State as they advance. It seems like we've had Notre Dame was the team last year, Jake. It seems like each year we see a team win in Dayton and then go win a game in the bracket. Doesn't that feel like that's an annual thing? Yes, UCLA, UCLA of course, did the that. Huge yep. run, VCU at the huge run. Notre Dame, you know, did it last year over Alabama. Almost beat Texas Tech. Um, Maybe have gone back and watched the end of that game a few times since since the end. Um, but, yeah, uh, we'll see if Pittsburgh can pull that off tonight. Texas Southern and Fairleigh Dickinson, and then Arizona State and Nevada. Those are two long plane flights to Dayton for Arizona State and Nevada. So you said Avery Johnson still. Oh, gosh, it's tough. Tonight again, uh, Avery Johnson on the call. Mm-hmm, I know. I was kind of hoping the voice got too scratchy and they had to sub someone Shoot in Shoot the ball. Um Tonight, or not tonight, but How tomorrow night. How about a Spiro Ditas and uh, Avery Johnson combo? Spiro's a fine human. Um, I just think there's an NFL stigma against him that when Spiro's on the call, we're getting AFC South. Now, Spiro's, get ready for a lot of those games next year. Spiro's doing the Indiana game. Correct. Right? Yep. With yep. Debbie Antonelli, who I think is outstanding. Um, former Fever 
color analyst. Uh, Pacers off until Thursday night. That is tomorrow night. They'll be in Milwaukee to take on the Bucks. Last night, the Bucks a winner over Phoenix in the association. Giannis had 36 and 11. Colts free, or free agency in general officially starts at 4 o'clock today. We'll continue to chat about that. Shout out to the Ben Davis Giants. They are undefeated. They sweep the Marion County Awards. That's Don, Don Carlisle, Coach of the Year. Zane Doty, the big guy. Wins player of the year. Semi-state action coming up. We'll chat about that here in a few minutes. Give away some numbers. And again, Colts free agency talk as well. Kevin Aquaria, what looks to be a nice and I believe a little bit of a warmer Wednesday here in Indianapolis. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. St. Jude treats children across the country and around the world, regardless of color, creed, or financial capability, because they're committed to love and care for their neighbors. Join me in helping St. Jude give every child with cancer the chance they deserve to survive. Together, we can save more lives. Call now to become a partner in hope. 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Jake, before we get to the bracket, giving away some numbers, Robbie just texted me and was curious about, I don't know if you've seen the Bally Sports, is it Diamond Sports that owns the Regional yes. Sports Network? Mm-hmm. Okay, Diamond Sports is probably the company to go to. They have filed for um, bankruptcy, Chapter 11, and a lot of people are curious what that means for pretty much in our local market, what it means for the Pacers. Because obviously, their games are on Bally. I think from an NBA standpoint, we're good for the rest of this season. I mean, what do the Pacers have? 13 to go? Yeah. 14 to go, something like that? I mean, we're like on that. the home stretch for sure. And then sure. if they were to get in the playoffs, those games would obviously be broadcasted on you know the TNTs, the NBA TVs, ESPN of the world. So I think we're okay, but I'm very curious to see how this unfolds moving forward. And honestly, for Major League Baseball season. How all of that will go, Mark? Are you? I know Marquis a little different, but yeah, Marquis a little different. But I believe what, aren't, the, aren't the Reds on Bally yes, Sports? Uh-huh. So I, the reality is this: without getting too far into it, but the reality is that the I'm not going to say House of Cards, but the amount of money that is spent for television rights in professional sports, eventually something was going to give, right? I mean, that's just... And cord cutting has contributed to in, it. In today's world, no doubt about that. Cord cutting's contributed. Well, no it doesn't help that, that, especially with Bally Sports, it was not available on most of these yeah. television streaming services. Yeah. Yeah, I think they. I think a lot of places underestimated how many people under a certain age just stream stuff, and that that goes for ratings as well. When you hear people like, "Well, the ratings are what are the ratings for that sport?" And it's like, "Well, yeah, but it's because so many people are streaming it in certain areas and the." Bally was kind of late to that party, I think. Um, earlier, we gave away five of our NCAA tournament numbers to those in the YouTube chat, a loyal audience. And then we might do that again before the show ends again. Jay's Lobster, that is the gift card that we're giving away. There's three ways to win via the number game. That is to have the champion, have the double-digit seed that advances the furthest, and the team that suffers the biggest blowout. Any of those ways. Also, you can join all our bracket challenge that is over on our Twitter page, Kevin 
inquiry. You can find that up there. It's through ESPN.com. Okay, now again, uh, just to rehash real quick for people what we do here. We have every team in the field has been randomly assigned a number. You call in, you give a number, we will assign you a team. Three ways to win. You get the team that wins the national championship. You get the double-digit seed that advances the furthest, and there are tiebreakers that go into that. Or you get the team that is blown out by the largest margin. If you get the national champion, hundred dollars worth of dinner for you at Jay's Lobster and Fish Market in the Garage Food Hall in the Bottle Works District, right here in downtown Indianapolis. One of Indianapolis Monthly's best restaurants of 2021, a New England style seafood shack, bringing a taste of the East Coast home to Indiana. And Mark, you love the lobster rolls, right? It's phenomenal. Yep, getting very excited good. right now. You'll, you'll be it. eating very well if you go there. Uh, Fifty dollars in gift cards for the other two winners. In addition to that. Um, we're going to get dinner for those who win on our bracket challenge. And Mark, people can get involved in the bracket challenge. How? Go to ESPN, search Kevin and Query on the j- groups, or you can just go to Twitter and it's pinned at the top of our show page. Okay. Now, one other thing, real quick, Kevin. Let me give out the numbers that are available be- so that we don't go through that where people just keep giving. So if you are on hold for a number, listen closely. These numbers are still available. 4, 9, 11, 16, 20 through 22, 25 through 30, 34 through 37, 39, 41, 44 and 45, 48 through 51, 53 through 59, and 62 to 64. Put a quick bow on the old Bally Sports Regional Sports Network conversation. Corey says Major League Baseball said they'll take over the broadcast with the local announcers for each team if and when that occurs. So looks like we'll maybe avoid it here for the calendar year, any major disruption on that end. All right, let's kick off the number giveaway with Shane. Shane, what do you got? 28. <laughs> Shane got it right after it. I, I love respect that. respect it, Shane. You've got the best mascot in the tournament. Uh, 28. That mascot is Kevin. Well, now I'm, now I'm having second thoughts on who exactly the, 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 the mascot is for a second there. I thought it was the banana slugs. I think that's right. You see Santa Barbara, right? Yeah. Is that right? Do we have the sound of a banana slug, Mark? Banana slug? I, I think it's banana slug. Or Which one's it, the gauchos? Maybe it is that, the gauchos. Yeah, that is them. I don't know. Which one's, who are the banana slugs? Slug sounds like though. I, Isn't it one of those UC Santa something or other? Yeah, UC Irvine's the ant eaters. Do we have that sound? That. <laughs> Who do you want an ant eater to sound like? Uh, Shane, UC Santa Barbara, 14th seat off the board. Who's next, Mark? That would Santa be, Cruz, by the way. That'd be Teddy. The- Santa Cruz is which one? The banana slugs? Yes, correct. Okay. Uh-huh. Teddy, what's up? Hey, uh, 22. 22. Teddy, you got a team that played last night, and they are They're hot. still alive, obviously. <laughs> Pitt. The Panthers of Pitt. Do we have a Panther? <laughs> That's a bobcat, but whatever. What what is that, Mark? Teddy's laugh was like, God, uh, (laughs) that was a waste of a phone call. Uh, Alan. Good morning, fellas. I'll take number four. Ooh. Okay, Alan, here's a little trivia for you. We're going to see how well you know the show. You ready? How often do you listen to this program? What's that? I said no, but go ahead. Do you listen to this program often? I do, yeah. Okay. Okay. I wish someone would just say no for a change. Be like, no, I have first time ever. Can't stand Alan, it. this team is coached by a guy whose father coached in Indiana. His mom lived in Southport, and he has been on the program before because I serendipitously met him at the Final Four 
and he's kind of become like a peripheral buddy of the program. Who is it? I'm sorry, I have no idea. We had him on the show last year. They lost or they defeated Indiana. They knocked Indiana out of the tournament last year. Their nickname's the Gales. Oh, I can't remember his name. They're in the West Coast Conference. Jesus' mother? St. Mary's. <laughs> what, what is this? Gale. Like an Irish Gaelic. That's what it says it is. Okay. All right, Alan, there you go. Not thanks sure for, if the Jesus' mother is Thanks for your loyal correct, listenership, but... I think. Uh, who's next, Kevin? Uh, Justin. Justin. Justin, what do you got? Uh, number 11. Everybody likes to go early with these numbers. Justin, we just mentioned that this is the smallest school by enrollment in the field. Do you, do, were you listening when we said that? I might have missed that part. Um, I'm trying to think of another hint. I think it's in I, South Carolina. I think right? it's in South Carolina. Yeah, Great like Anderson, baseball team, I right like. outside of Clemson. Uh, Furman. Furman's off the board. What's Furman's mascot? Paladin, the Paladins. Right? They're knights. So no, they, they fight too. No, for that, you need to play Have Gun Will Travel Reads the Card of a Man. They've got Virginia in round one. I'm comfortable with my my audio choice. <laughs> that is a 4-13 matchup there um, for Furman. All right, let's do one more. Uh, let's go with Matt. What's up, Matt? Good morning, gentlemen. Morning. Number 25. 25, Matt. You are going to get... Ooh, you're going to get the Mountaineers of West Virginia. I believe they are one of the, I think it's them in Utah State, Jake, the only teams seeded lower than their opponent, but they're the favorite for round one. Okay, that makes sense. I saw West Virginia. What's this here? Boy. Mountaineers. I thought we were going John Denver. Why don't we go with the Beverly Hillbillies? It's just a mountain Mountain climber song. The The Mountaineers. I'm sure they listen to this when they go. How many windbreakers do you think Bob Huggins has in his closet? (laughs) Plenty, right? Like, that's about that or just pullovers in general, right? West Virginia, when I saw him play against Kansas at Allen Fieldhouse, I was impressed by him. I mean, I was like, these guys, I'm like, how are they, like, barely going to get in? I know. They look good. Yeah, and again, you go back to... Uh, we'll continue to get weight numbers, uh, by the way, um, coming up a little bit later in the show. You go back to what Purdue did, and I don't know if Purdue fans like find hope in this, but Jake, you could certainly make the argument that Purdue's best basketball of the season was on a neutral court in Portland. I mean, they beat West Virginia, Gonzaga, and Duke. Yeah. They beat all of them by double digits. I mean, that was kind of the, the at that point was when it was like, whoa, wait a minute. You know, early in those freshman career, it's not like they're eking games out. And sure, Gonzaga and Duke, you know, they're yeah, bringing mean, some guys along, but they won all three of those games that, by that, double digits. That Gonzaga game, do you remember that? It was like, what is happening here? They they blew them off the floor. Was it? Was it Duke or Gonzaga? Where it was like ten minutes ago, it was a close game, and then boom, you yeah. just blinked and Purdue took it to another level. I think one of the biggest concerns, and we'll chat about this with Rayfield Davis coming up a little bit later. Uh, the shooting of Fletcher Lawyer. Again, David Jenkins started for Lawyer uh, in the second half of the Big Ten title game. Jake Fletcher Lawyer is two of his last 20 from the floor. These are his shooting percentages in the last, I guess, eight or nine games. 16%, 22, 33, 33, 54, 0, 0, 20, and 16. Yeah, I mean... 
Indiana and Purdue have the same thing, Kevin. I think the same storyline. How they shoot the ball from the outside is going to make or break them, right? I mean, that's true probably for most teams, but now again, David Jenkins, for those two. 8 of 12 from behind the arc in the Big Ten tournament. You obviously like that. I'll be curious to see what that leash looks like for Fletcher Lawyer and Purdue as they begin the tournament 6.50 on Friday. A couple of people have asked what your Panther noise was, Mark. Did you accidentally hit the Eagle button? I think you did. No, right? that wasn't the Eagle. That was the Bobcat. So you hit the Bobcat instead of a Panther. What well, possible, what? I mean... That's a you. Cougar, but... That's cougar, a- Panther, it's the same thing. You see that coming at you. You're not. I don't. I don't know what animal that, that is. That sounds like me. the fella. Do you remember the guy that made up the rap song about the Carolina Panthers when they went to the Super Bowl? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ked Woodley, and yeah. he did his own Panther sound. He sounds like that. Now, Mark, yeah. my question is: When we give away the team from Bloomington, what does a Hoosier sound like? Well, you want me to spoil that one? Sure. Let's kick some ass. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, hey, Maddie. <laughs> oh, man. Fair enough. And, and the Boilermaker sound? Oh, uh, I think we know what that'll be, right? right? Hey. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. That was a great one. sound. I'm drunk. You're drunk. Everybody's drunk. So okay. there's a train, and then there's a Boilermaker for a beer. So you get... Boilermaker's not a beer, there. though. It's a mixed drink, right? Oh, that's fine. I think Mark's Still not good. out of town this week, or else we'd be just <laughs> lost without... All right, coming up at 9 o'clock, David Padgett. Uh, again, he's the former Louisville interim IUPUI assistant, called Kent State's game in the MAC championship. Also, Florida Atlantic. Florida Atlantic, again, they're big guys, 7-1-2-40. So if they're able to get past Memphis, that would be an interesting matchup for Zach Eady in round two. That's 31 win. Florida Atlantic, Rafael Davis at 9 Kevin and Quarry on what looks to be a really, really nice. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hey fam, I'm asking for your support. Help us raise money for St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. Families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food so they can focus on helping their child live. By pledging just $19 a month, you're helping St. Jude give every child with cancer a chance. Help St. Jude save lives. Call 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898 and become a partner in Hope today. Wednesday here in Indy. Stephon Gilmore traded to the Cowboys. That should become official later today. It's a late fifth round pick in return and honestly probably the biggest part of the deal for the Colts that they were looking for was $9.9 million in cap savings. Jake, I would say when, when I saw the move, my first thought was, damn. Like, this is where the Colts are at. You know, the, the the Colts aren't the Cowboys. The Cowboys are making that move to say, we feel like we're a piece or two away, and we will do a move like this. The Colts are in a position where they are not a piece or two away. They are in a rebuild. And, Jake, if you're a Colts fan, especially over the last two decades, you're not used to this. Yeah, that was to me, Kevin, the first sign that, yes, like confirmation – Confirmation from the Colts that, guess what, folks? Uh, This is not a retool. This is basically starting all over again. And I know that that sounds like uh, I'm taking, you know, a a very dramatic leap. I don't blame them for it. 
I don't blame them for it partially because the Colts have been afforded that luxury and that time frame to be able to do it because you look at the AFC, you look at the young quarterbacks in the AFC, you're set back three years anyway. You just are. And Chris Ballard has one person to answer to. And if Jim Ursay wants to give him that latitude and that leash, then that's it. Fans aren't going to, I mean, people say it all the time. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to renew my season tickets. Yeah, you will. I but mean, again, didn't we see that with the Pacers? I think there's, there's a big difference, to be honest with you, Kevin, in a couple of forms here. I think the Pacers have a lot of challenges that the Colts don't in terms of their attendance. Part of it being, I mean, we could go down a whole rabbit hole here, but it's eight games a year. I mean, the Colts, to go to a Pacer game, you know, first off, there's 41 of them, right? So there's a lot that goes into that. I think for the Pacers, a large part of their attendance was or is people that are downtown anyway for work and so it's like well i'm downtown i'm working and then i go to dinner and i go right to the game well you have fewer people that are working downtown now number one and that and you could say well then what about the rest of the league jake they're 29th out of 31 or 32 teams or whatever it might be that's true but then there are also like in the chicago's in the new york's in those places there are enough people that are living downtown that even with work from home they're close in proximity to the arena itself but um i i think it's a little bit apples and oranges because of the fact that for the colts there are only eight games so it is a you are and it's a sunday so it's a non-work day so you're having to come into downtown anyway to do it it's just it's an event i mean it's an all-day event and there's only eight of them so so people i think they just look forward to that they hope the team wins but i think there's a fraternal feeling that goes into it in the nfl standpoint um but this is absolutely the colts saying we know that we're not going to be two to three years away, period. We're starting over with whether it be a young quarterback or even if it is a Lamar Jackson or something like that, uh, you're starting over. And they're missing pieces in the areas, Kevin, where you need pieces. Again, it's just a harsh reality. I understand why the Colts would make this move, but it's you don't. we haven't seen an action within that building that indicates, yep, we don't need this piece because we have to look a little bit more into the future and that's what that move was I'll be curious to see Ryan Kelly and Kenny Moore Uh, obviously don't expect a whole lot in return if Gilmore's getting a late fifth rounder a cornerback I thought was always a huge need even if Gilmore was still on your roster considering his age he'll be 33 later this year supposedly a pretty strong draft class Um, you know there's a free agent at corner Rock you seen when you bring him back? I did see somebody say, "Hey, you know what? Why isn't that a possibility that they could bring him back?" Um, yeah, I, he was a good player, don't you think? Yeah, I, I thought he. Yeah, I mean, right now you need corner help, so um, I, that's something I would look into. If you're curious about Colts' draft pick situation now after this trade, they've got their first, they've got their second, they've got their third from Washington. That's the Carson Wentz trade. They don't have their own third. That was traded. Last year for Nick Cross, the rookie safety from Maryland. They've got their fourth, and then they'll have three in the fifth. Their own, uh, Buffalo's fifth, courtesy of Naheem Hines. Then this fifth from Dallas. No six-rounder and a couple of seventh-rounders. To me, the thing that is 
disappointing is perhaps the wrong word. Enigmatic, maybe, is a better word. And I get it. I get the finances of it. I totally understand. I thought Stephon Gilmore last year played well. I've seen people say that he wasn't invested. Somebody just sent me a text saying that, hey, he looked like he took plays off. I, I don't know. There were a couple of games I thought he won them games. Yeah, I would but, disagree with that. Um, I feel like the Colts have enough roster needs, Kevin, that it's it feels irresponsible to create roster need at a position where you didn't have that need a month ago. Why create another area that you need to fill when you desperately need stretch receivers, you desperately need, obviously, a quarterback, you could use depth at line, you could use probably depth at linebacker, there are so many areas of glaring need that now they all move down a rung because cornerback becomes an area that you you've got to get some players. Yeah, again, I thought corner was always a need. I I didn't. I mean, you can't ignore Gilmore's age and his contract. He's only Fair. got one year left. The Kenny Moore situation is a little bit of up in the air. And I know he wasn't a very good player in his one year here, but Brandon Faison did play a lot of snaps for you last season. So just from a playing time standpoint. He matters. Uh, the other big move for the Colts yesterday, they signed Samson Ebukam from the 49ers. A little background on him. 27 years old. It's a three-year deal reportedly for $27 million. Uh, Nigerian native, initially drafted by the Rams in 2017. Been with the 49ers for the last two years. He's got 23 and a half career sacks. Never had more than five sacks in a season. Um, if you look at him last season in particular, I would say where you're upgrading from Yannick Ngakwe is more of a consistent pressure guy, more of a three-down guy. Ngakwe was a liability so do against you think, the run. Is this acquisition, Kevin, an immediate slot-in guy, or is it a depth piece? I think it's an immediate slot-in guy opposite Pay. Okay. Yeah, I do. Um, so I you know have... this is, might not sound like the biggest compliment, but this is what I've come back to, Jake, on it. Like Al Qadim Muhammad started 16 games at defensive end for this team a couple years ago. I look at Ebukam and think higher upside Al Qadim Muhammad. So you know what I think is fun about that? I, I think this is cool. This is only of interest probably to me, but I think it's cool that you would have uh, two edge rushers, one born in Nigeria and one born in Liberia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah. I thought it was Guinea, Guinea for uh, Quidipe. You might right. be right. Hang on just a second. Not um, to get like super technical. You but, are correct. Um, Born in Guinea. You're correct. Yeah. Um, and Dio Dengo's got some Nigerian heritage. If My I'm... apologies. He was in a refugee camp in Guinea because of the first Liberian Civil War. So if so you, you look go. at the D-line group for the Colts right now, Ebukam, Grover Stewart, DeForest Buckner, Pay, Dio Dengbo, Taekwon Lewis. It's a pretty good, I think, six-man group. I don't think you've got a dominant speed edge rusher. Um, while Ebukam is somebody that, again, had some really nice moments and was a more consistent pressure guy with San Francisco, we probably should acknowledge uh, when you have the defensive player of the year and Nick Bosa on your defensive line, you're not going to have that here in Indy, absorbing that attention. Um, yeah, no nines or tens probably in that group, but but a lot of six, sevens, and eights, right? Yeah, I think Buckner and Stewart, you could label well, uh, really at, at good, that yeah. level, but from an edge rush standpoint, I would say that That's would what be, I mean on it, yeah. That would be the one. 
question that. All right, we come back. 9 o'clock hour coming up. David Padgett. I uh, called Kent State's MAC championship game. Called Florida Atlantic well, as well. And he's got a 13 seed he really likes. A team that we have not really talked about at all this week. So we'll chat about that with David Padgett from ESPN coming up next here. Kevin Aquari, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. In the break... Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hey fam, I'm asking for your support. Help us raise money for St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. Families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food so they can focus on helping their child live. By pledging just $19 a month, You're helping St. Jude give every child with cancer a chance. Help St. Jude save lives. Call 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898 and become a partner in hope today. Jake says to me, well, Kevin, our our next guest, who is David Padgett, you will recognize the name certainly from Kansas Louisville playing days, the interim at Louisville um, a few years back, assistant here at in the jungle, one of the most hostile environments in college basketball, IUPUI, when it was rocking in there. Uh, and Jake says, you know what? David Padgett and I have a similar background. We both spent one year at Kansas. So I would say <laughs> the athletic career is slightly different, though. End of similarity, right? Yeah. Is that where is that Well, where I ends? spent some time at IUPUI also. There so go. there you go. Uh, David Padgett joins us now. He's calling games for ESPN, called the MAC title game with Kent State, uh, Florida Atlantic as well. And he's got a 13 seed that he likes in the tournaments. And back in his indie roots. David, thank you for the time. Good morning. Good morning, guys. Appreciate you having me on. We appreciate the insight. Let's start with what Indiana's going to see on Friday night. Um, you've called Kent State. It's a team that strikes me as uh, they're not going to have a whole lot of fear. It's a confident, confident bunch. What did you like, and what are your questions about Kent State coming up on Friday? Well, before we get into the NCAA tournament, I was having a much better morning before I started listening to you guys talk about the Colts. Now I'm depressed. I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I forgot a big Colts fan, David Page. All right. Uh, what should be the well, plan of quarterback? Buy, this is going to be my third year in a row having to get a new jersey for my nine-year-old. He had a Wentz jersey, then he had a Matt Ryan jersey. I mean, he's, he's got more number two shirts than he knows what to do with. It's brilliant marketing, isn't it? Brilliant marketing. <laughs> it's turned into the Cleveland Browns That's right. jersey. Uh, should they go with uh, a Kentucky guy and Will Levis, or is that a no? I mean, maybe I'm wishful thinking. Uh, I had the fortunate pleasure of being able to watch Lamar in person during his time at Louisville, and that would be obviously best-case scenario, but I think we all know that we're just not that lucky as Colts fans. So, I don't know. I didn't watch Kentucky football a lot this year, but let's just hope for uh, let's hope for something great because we certainly need to stop the revolving door. There's no question about that. Yeah, hope is a very Here's foreign the thing, word David, right now for you, Colts fans. You had Peyton Manning, and then you transitioned straight from that to Andrew Luck, and then all of a sudden, like, the football karma is coming back, right, in terms of the luck at quarterback. That's the unfortunate reality. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a tough couple of years, needless to say. And when you've got little kids that live and die by it, it's, they're trying to trying to explain to them why we can't ever keep a quarterback is a pretty interesting task. Yeah, yeah. I, my nephew's six, and trying to explain to him that Matt Ryan is already gone. He's like, wait, didn't he just get here? I'm like, well, yeah, welcome to the business of the NFL, especially when you're that age and you don't play well. Um, all right, again, David Padgett is with us again, ESPN analyst. Folks will recognize that name from his playing days and coaching days as well. Um, let's start with Kent State. Friday night, that is in Albany. Uh, we had Rob Senderhoff on earlier. Seems like a pretty defensive-minded team and a team that won't have a whole lot of bright lights fear come Friday night. 
Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. Uh, they've got a very experienced team, very, very, very good guard play. They've got a, a guard named Sincere Carey that is a big-time talent, uh, can shoot it from pretty much anywhere once he crosses half court. is a great defender. He was the player of the year in the MAC two years ago. He lost out this year to uh, a guy from Toledo who had a really good season. But calling that game Saturday, I was really, really impressed. Their guard play really, really bothered Toledo, their quickness, especially on the defensive end. Uh, and where they really thrive is is forcing you to play at a speed and a tempo that you don't want to play at. It's it just, it's relentless pressure. I think relentless is probably the best word to describe how they play, and they just don't give you anything easy. Now, I will say where they're going to have their hands full is, and this is not going to be earth-shattering news to anybody, they're going to have their hands full inside with Trace Jackson Davis. I think he's going to be the difference maker. Um, I, I just don't, I don't think they have anybody who can match up with him. Um, I'll be curious to see. They did show some post traps and that kind of stuff um, in their game a little bit against Toledo on Saturday, so I would assume they're going to look to do that again. But, you know, they can uh, they can get hot from behind the perimeter in a hurry. They, they really space the floor well. Their dribble penetration really bothered Toledo the other night, so I think it's going to be a, a heck of a game. I really do. I would expect Indiana to win, I th- but I do think it'll be very, very close. David, when I was a kid, the narrative about the NCAA tournament was always, you know, hey, you got to have guards, but you have to have experienced guards and freshmen. This is a huge, you know, thing to take a bite out of for a freshman with the pressure of the NCAA tournament. However, my question for you, David, is have 40 games a year of AAU basketball combined with freshmen being walked right out of the gate players as opposed to 10 years ago where you waited your turn, eradicated that narrative? Is that an overrated theory now when it comes to the tournament and young players? I don't think so. I still think you have to, you have, to have great guard play, and I know that's – Well, I don't mean it that way. I mean, is it – I mean – I mean, do freshman players being like caught up in the spotlight, is that spotlight not as bright and that pressure not as much now for young players because of all the basketball they're playing by that point as opposed to 15 years ago? No, I think that spotlight is still really bright, especially the further you get. You know, if you get past that first weekend and you move on to the Sweet 16 or the Elite or, you know, even the Final Four, I mean, you're talking a huge step up and, you know, it. I don't care if you played on the best AAU team and the best events for four years. Nothing compares to playing in the NCAA tournament. It just doesn't. I mean, you're on national television. You're playing in front of 20,000 people. Uh, it's, it's, it's just a different feeling. You know, I was even watching those games last night. I still kind of got goosebumps a little bit just from having played in it. And uh, it's, it's a tournament and a sporting event unlike anything. And I think no matter how high profile you are or you have been as a high school player, Having never gone through it, there's something to be said for that compared to the guys that have been in it for you know two or three years now. It's David Padgett, been in a couple of lead eights as a player, Kansas at Louisville, and of course coached at Louisville and IEPUI. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline, uh, and he's also trying to explain to his sons about how the Colts just can't have any stability at quarterback. Um, shifting gears to potentially what Purdue could look at in the second round, David. 31 win Florida Atlantic. Um, you know, Dusty May is a local local connection. He was on with John yesterday. So I think you know we follow them a little bit. I would say the thing that stands out to me, they actually have a big dude, like a legit 
7-1, big guy. What were your impressions when you saw Florida Atlantic this year? Well, another quick uh, local connection, Todd Abernathy, son of IU great Tom Abernathy, is an assistant coach for Florida Atlantic. Really? So another Indianapolis connection, yeah. Uh, but the job they've done with that team is unbelievable. I had a chance to cover them in person. Uh, they played at Western Kentucky back in January, and they are they are the real deal. Uh, they got a very, very tough draw in that first game against Memphis. That certainly won't be easy, but if they're able to advance and play Purdue, yeah, you're right. Vlad Golden is their 7-1 center. Uh, very skilled, uh, strong, physical. Now, you know, there, there's only one Zach Eadie in college basketball, and, you know, 7-4 is 7-4 at the end of the day. So uh, it, that's going to be a tough matchup. But Florida Atlantic, they can really score. They've got four or five guys that can shoot it really well from behind the arc. Their guard plays really good. Uh, Vlad Golden's a problem on the interior. And I you know, something that maybe a lot of people don't necessarily talk about is they just, they're playing with a lot of confidence. I mean, they basically ran through Conference USA. They steamrolled through the tournament. I mean, they're just playing with about as much confidence as anybody right now. And like I said, that Memphis matchup is going to be tough, but there's something to be said for teams that are clicking on all cylinders this time of year. So I hope they advance. I'm really pulling for Todd. He's a great friend of mine. Dusty May is a great guy, and I would love to see them in that matchup against Purdue in that second game. David, I worry for Purdue, and you tell me if I'm off base here. I I worry for Purdue if they were to face Memphis just because it it feels to me – and I haven't seen a lot of Memphis, but it feels to me like Memphis has length and they have fury in the fact that, kind of like what you were talking about with Kent State, Memphis can can take you out of rhythm by making you play at their pace and kind of just like a, a furious pace on the floor that takes you out of rhythm and in Purdue's case takes you out of half-court sets. Am I way off base? No, I don't think so. I mean, what they did to Houston, now I know Houston was, was a little under uh, – undermanned because of some injuries, but what they did to Houston in the conference championship game was really impressive. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, based on what happened to Purdue in the Big Ten championship against Penn State, you know, Penn State started to pick up full court a little bit and it bothered Purdue, but, you know, I, I'm a huge Matt Painter fan, always have been. I think he's a great guy and I think he's an unbelievable coach. Uh, one thing I'm curious about, and not just with Purdue in particular, but you know, the Big Ten has gotten kind of a, a bad knock here the last couple of years for doing really well in the regular season and then kind of fizzling, fizzling out come tournament time. you got to wonder if that almost starts to become a, a factor mentally with some of these teams, you know, just because a lot of people are starting to talk about it. But I think Purdue, I just think they're a different team this year. I just think Zach is, is so good. He is such a problem from a preparation standpoint, you know, you can do whatever you want to try to prepare for that. But unless you have a seven, four guy in practice that can simulate that every day, which I don't think a whole lot of teams have, it is just so hard to prepare for until you get out there and play against it. So I think Purdue is going to make a deep run this year. Um, I've really enjoyed watching them. Like I said, I think Matt's an unbelievable coach. Uh, I think, I think they'll probably get as far, if not further than any team in the big 10. And, uh, you know, every game this time of year is difficult. If they do play Memphis, it's going to be tough. If they play Ford Atlantic, it's going to be tough. But I just think that this is going to be a year for the Boilers to, to make a deep run. So give me the team that has had a great year, that has a really good seed, that people just assume is going to make a deep run, but in reality is kind of backpedaling their way in and has not played well in the last, say, three to four weeks, if any. Well... A couple things on that, and I know a lot of people probably aren't going to like hearing this. I think Duke is a dangerous team. 
uh, on the on the dangerous side because they're playing really well and they're healthy right now as a five seed. The one team that I hope makes a deep run because I, I love their coach. He recruited me here to Louisville, uh, UCLA with Mick Cronin. Unfortunately for them, they're battling the injury bug. Obviously, they lost Jalen Clark for the season. Uh, you know, the starting center got hurt in the Pac-12 tournament. I think he's going to be back from what I've read, but it seems like they're kind of limping here towards the finish line a little bit. Um, they may be a team that gets knocked out a little bit early. I hope not. Uh, but one team that I do, and I know Kevin had mentioned this, one team to keep an eye on for an upset if there's some people out there that want a you know, potential upset is Louisiana as a 13 over the four-seeded Tennessee. Uh, I had a chance to cover them about three weeks ago. Unbelievable team. They've got a guy named Jordan Brown that transferred from Arizona that was player of the year in the Sun Belt. Is a huge, huge problem inside. I mean, a double-double every night. A great, great post player. Uh, their coach, Bob Marlin, does an unbelievable job. They shoot the ball really well from the perimeter. So if you put too much attention down low on Brown, they can hurt you from outside. And I think they're a dangerous team to, to maybe look to upset that Tennessee team. And again, if they were, were to win that game, they might get Duke. Duke Oral Roberts, the 5-12 opposite Tennessee and Louisiana. All right, David, um, final one for me. One, one of the things I love that you did this year in calling games, you know, you take these kind of scenes of the different venues that you'd be at. What's your favorite mid-major gym? Mid-major gym that you've been to? Oh, wow. It's putting me on the spot with that one. Uh, I've always been partial to Western Kentucky's arena. Uh, EA Diddle Arena. It's a great atmosphere. Uh, Jake loves the mascot. I do like the hilltopper. (laughs) He's cool. Uh, We had a chance to play there a couple times when I was on staff at Louisville, and obviously that was a huge game for them, so that environment was pretty crazy. Uh, As far as some of the nicest arenas I've been in at the mid-major level, I went to James Madison this year. They had an unbelievable arena. But one of the the best environment I was in this year, besides the MAC championship last Saturday, uh, I called Youngstown State um, earlier this year, Horizon League. uh, Older gym, more like a – you know what it reminded me of was an Indiana high school type gym. Just kind of older, a lot of bleacher seats, but everybody was right on top of you. It was packed in there. Uh, the two dollar beer night certainly helped with the students, but Say it was no more. unbelievable yeah. atmosphere and a really really good crowd. So I think that was probably near the top of the list this year. You know, I'll be honest. I just pulled up a picture of it. This does look pretty cool. In college, like two dollar beer is still a little rich, right? I mean, they can't do it like the, <laughs> it could be. An I guess they don't want fifty cent beer night there, right? Hey, David. Um, this one's kind of a, a tough one probably to do in, in just a couple of minutes, but but I'll be honest with you. So I grew up here in Indiana. I grew up a huge IU fan. So as a result of that, I hate Kentucky, not the state, the the, the, the basketball program. So I always kind of liked Louisville. I liked Denny Crum. I liked their play. You know, I liked the McCrays. I, I, I always enjoyed Louisville. So I've always kept an eye on Louisville, and I'm totally mystified as to – how the bottom fell out of it the way that it has. Now, I know that it's close to you. You were an interim coach there. You played there. Um, but can you offer some perspective on what exactly happened? For uh, in, As if I'm a third grader, explain to me what happened to Louisville basketball. Well, that, that's a really good question. Uh, and I'll be honest, and I'm not saying this to try to dodge your question. I'm not on the inside nearly as much as I used to be just because I've Obviously, it's my alma mater. I had a very, very great, uh, good experience there as a player and a coach. Had the opportunity of a lifetime to be the interim head coach there. Even left Kevin some tickets on the road a couple of times. Yes, thank uh, you for that. But you're welcome. But um, you know, it, I've kind of moved on. It just 
I don't know. It seems like the wheels started to come off a little bit a couple of years ago um, in the middle of the season. And, you know, obviously when Chris Mack left before the season was over, they had another interim head coach and Mike McGeese, uh hired Kenny. It obviously was a very, very difficult year this year. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I can necessarily pinpoint to one exact thing. It just seems like the, the snowball started rolling down the hill and nobody could stop it. But I will say in the last week or so, I know there's been some positive recruiting momentum uh, with the staff, with some high school players. And, you know, it seems like there's 200 kids putting their name in the portal every day. So there's certainly going to be some options there. Um, so, you know, nowhere to go but up at this point. Um Fortunately, also, but unfortunately, uh, but you know, we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, it, I, Kenny Crane is a great, great guy. I've gotten to know him a little bit. Uh, I know it was a really, really difficult year, but the support is still there. Um, people are really, really hoping to get the program back to where it belongs, and it's tough this time of year. You know, not seeing Louisville in the bracket is tough, but hopefully they can get it back to where it needs to be before too long. Okay, last question for you. You are a native of Reno. So I would assume that at least probably through friends, family, whatever it might be, maybe you keep an eye a little bit on what Nevada does. Steve Alford is now just the fourth coach to take five schools to the NCAA tournament. He has his Wolfpack in in a play-in game. We're going to see them tonight. Um, your overall thoughts on the job that Alford has done at what not necessarily is a basketball school, but what people can see out of Nevada. Well, it's kind of become a basketball school, to be honest. And it started uh, about 20 years ago. A guy named Trent Johnson, who I actually had on staff with me, my interim year here at Louisville, kind of got the foundation started to get the program back up to where it needed to be. Uh, You know, they've had Mark Fox was there, did a great job. Eric Musselman was there, obviously did a great job. But Steve's done a really, really good job just continuing that momentum because that's a, a lot of people in this part of the country maybe don't realize how good of a league that is, the Mountain West. I mean, you've got teams like San Diego State, Colorado State, New Mexico. It's a really, really good basketball league, and Steve's done a, a really, really good job. They're always a great offensive team, and Steve's always been a very, very good offensive mind. Um, I haven't had a chance to see him a lot this year, more than anything, because their games usually don't start till about 11 o'clock that night. I just can't stay up that late, but... Uh, they're they're going to be a dangerous team, and I, that stat you mentioned, I saw that the other day, and that's a really impressive accomplishment. I mean, I don't care who you are to take that many different schools to the tournament is really really impressive. So, you know, hats off to Steve; he's done a great job. Both my parents are alumni from there. My dad played there, had a great career there. So, I've always kept it in touch with them and kind of followed them. So, part of me will always be always be rooting for the Wolfpack to do well. Okay, last, last one. I know it's been probably nearly a decade at this point, but when you did venture off the IUPUI campus, um, one of my favorites just off campus was Topper's Pizza. Love their cheese sticks. Um, used to live right by there. What was a favorite David Paget establishment? You did spend several years here um, when you did um, make your way off campus. Oh, man. Uh, well, let's see. I was trying to think. Uh, I used to live up... Uh, the last two years I was there, I lived up by 96 in town, so a little bit further north than downtown, obviously. And I don't know if it's still open, but I always thought a very underappreciated or underrated restaurant maybe was a place called Peterson's Steakhouse okay. on 96th yeah. Street. I don't know if it's still open or not. You guys would. Well, I went there about four or five times. I always thought it was fantastic. Um, I did venture into uh, the uh, Broad Ripple area a few times to let off some steam, maybe after some losses. Sure, um, yeah, oh yeah. Broad Ripple Tavern to get a, a couple games of pool in. Oh, yeah, a little BRT, yeah. Great golden tea. 
Yeah. <laughs> so those places are staples, obviously. Uh, slippery Noodle, can't go wrong with that. Uh, Jake was there on Saturday. I was. Yeah, so Indianapolis, one of my favorite cities, and loved, loved, loved my time there. My nine-year-old was actually born there. So that's why we uh, come up quite a bit and see some friends and uh, you know try to make it to at least one Colts game a year. And no matter how, how poorly they've been doing, we're still going to try to continue that tradition. I think I get Peterson's and Fleming's confused, but one of the two of those closed. Yeah, I, Peterson's is closed? I don't know, but I'm, I'm was it in between Ditch and Meridian, David? Is that where I'm picturing it? I mean, how I don't know. Right off, you know it was right off of 69. It's right in front of Wolfie's. Right side of 69. Uh, yeah, right by that air, that little. Oh, on the airport other side. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a Twin Peaks I've been to over there. That's about the only thing that okay. I'm, I, I'm now picturing over in that area. <laughs> so, David Padgett right now, he's got, okay, we've got Louisiana advancing. We've got Youngstown State on the Jim Bucket list. He wants Lamar Jackson, and he's currently answering a lot of why questions from his children on why the Colts can't keep a quarterback. Peterson's still open, by the way, David. So, there you go. Next time you're in Boom. town, you can still go. There we go. And, Kevin, I'm going to have to jump back on with you guys here in a couple weeks because I'm going to Augusta for the Masters in about three weeks. So I'm going to need to get some insider info. Say no more. Did you do the Masters pool with me last year? I kind of forget this. I want to say that you did Uh, not return my email. Yeah, a gambler's money knows no home. So Look at this. Gosh, you should do one of our commercial reads here coming up during the break. (laughs) Um, I will send you that email. David, great stuff, man. Have uh, Have a great Wednesday. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. That's David Padgett right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Some insight into some mid-majors in the field. And Jake, uh, he convinced me. I'm penciling in Louisiana. Uh, he convinced me I'm going to go to Peterson's. I've actually <laughs> been there once before. It's really good. He's right. He's, Do we know about really Fleming's? Uh, Fleming's, I believe, is closed. Fleming's was the one that was, now that I think about it, Fleming's was in Clearwater. And I believe it's close. But Peterson's really good. I went there with um, my buddy Turhan Donner's parents. It was wonderful. Great meal. A little bit of everything right there with David Padgett on the Pale Slickers Hotline. Rayfield Davis going to join us in a few. For now, Morning Checkdown. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Last night playing games in Dayton, it was Southeast Missouri State and Texas Corpus Christi. That game won by... Can you imagine going to school at Texas A&M Corpus... Texas A and M Corpus Christi. I love the um, I love the graphic just explaining you know like the background of the universe. It's one of my favorite things in the tournament. Yeah, oh yeah. You know all the mid major schools. You explain the background enrollment, cool famous too. alumni, the Islanders. Uh, that'd be a great place to go to school. But they have moved on. So too, by the way, Pitt with an exciting finish over Mississippi State. If you were not up late to watch the end of that game, Mississippi State, a good look out of the corner to try to win it, was no good. They had a chance to tip it in, pit with a nice defensive block, and the Panthers now move on. Tonight, play-in games continue, and that includes Steve Alford's bunch, right, Kevin? Yes, that will be the nightcap, the late game. Again, Jake, it's one of the few times in tournament history we've had national champion players facing off as coaches. Steve Alford for Nevada, Bobby Hurley for Arizona State. Uh, Purdue fans, probably keep an eye on the early one. That is Texas Southern against Fairleigh Dickinson, a 640 tip from Dayton there. Johnny Jones coaches Texas Southern. Some people recognize that name from LSU. Jake Fairleigh Dickinson didn't even win their conference tournament. That's right. They, the winner couldn't go right. By default, they made it because Merrimack makes the transition from D two to D one, and they still are not eligible. It's a four year waiting period. I thought about this, by the way. I believe this is correct. I don't know who. I thought about this the other day. Coaches that have won a national championship as a player 
and then went on to become a head coach, as you mentioned, Steve Alford and Bobby Hurley. The combined total wins between the player and the coach, which is more, Krzyzewski and Bobby Hurley or Knight and Alford? Because that's got to be the record. One of those two, it's got to be the record, right? For for the most combined wins between pupil and, and coach. Alan from the hangover gif is in my head right now <laughs> trying to do this math here. That sounds right. I'm focused more on court. I mean, Krzyzewski's got 1,100 career, career wins roughly, and Hurley's got like 200. There's like 1,300 right there. Knight's at 900, and Alford's right around four or 500, right? Focus a little bit more on close. Corey just confirming to me. Thank you, Corey. Twin Peaks definitely still open. Corey <laughs> wanted, wanted to clarify on that cold <gasps> beer, right? Their beer is so cold, man. Yeah, they uh-huh. got the, you know what? Their food is, is good, too, actually. Anything else? Comment on yeah, uh-huh. I would say, yeah. Great hospitality inside of Twin Peaks. All right, uh, moving on to the Pacers um, somehow. Pacers at Bucks tomorrow night. The Bucks have absolutely dominated this series. They've won 10 in a row, all of them by at least nine points. They've won 14 of 15. Giannis is back. Uh, it sounds like for the Pacers, Tyrese Halliburton, Miles Turner, TJ McConnell, the guys that sat out the trip to Detroit, that they should be returning to the lineup. The Benedict Matherin update, we haven't really talked about this all week, Jake. Uh, Rick Carlisle said, real positive strides with his rehab. The hope is he won't be out too long. Again, if he's going to miss like a couple more weeks, don't you just sit him for the rest of the year? Woman think at this point, right? I mean, um, I wouldn't be opposed to sitting literally. Mm-hmm. You have a hangnail? Okay. Sure. Tyrese? Uh-huh. Get some rest, get some relaxation, right? Yeah, especially how jumbled that back half of the lottery is. Uh, Bucks, by the way, last night over Phoenix. Sorry to cut you off nope. there. Um, Giannis had thirty six and eleven. That'll so be that's the first the game back from that Western trip for the Bucks. And free agency officially begins at four today. Ashton Doolin re-signed by the Colts earlier in the day. That makes a lot of sense to me from a special teams standpoint. Don't think that impacts Paris Campbell at all. I think wide receiver is still a definite need this offseason. Oh, yeah. So we'll see how the rest of that plays out. Coming up next here on Kevin Aquary, Rafael Davis is going to join us to talk about the Boilers and the rest of the Big Ten. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. St. Jude treats children across the country and around the world, regardless of color, creed, or financial capability, because they're committed to love and care for their neighbors. Join me in helping St. Jude give every child with cancer the chance they deserve to survive. Together, we can save more lives. Call now to become a partner in hope. 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. So, Kevin, I, I forgot about Fred Taylor. I'm going to figure this out. Fred Taylor and Bob Knight's career wins. Bob got, Knight and Steve Alford's career wins. got a little tense between you and Mark there. Yeah, well, we Mark's turned his always, mic on before we came back, and I'm like, what, what are you doing? No, hold on. Did you, I, I, I would like for the record to state, before we get to Rafael Davis here, it, it's 9.30 in the morning. Did you just confess to the fact that you turned my microphone off This remotely? time I did, yeah. Okay. I've done so, it before, too, when we go to uh-huh. break and you leave it on for 30 seconds right. afterwards. So, what we're getting at is, at the times when you guys get on me because my mic's not on, and I say, I didn't turn it off. You are confessing to the fact that, yes, you, Mark Dykton, remotely have turned my microphone off before, correct? Uh, this is like the second or third time. But it's happened, correct? It's quite the environment yeah, but to not usually when you, Davis when you do, can, by the way. You, uh, I have no further me. questions. You know what? Rifle, he can relate because I'm being defensive. Right? Oh, boy. 
Jeez, that's quite the transition. Thank you. Uh, Rayfield Davis, you see him all over Big Ten Network, as Jake did allude to there. Um, a quite the defensive player up at Purdue for Matt Painter, and he joins us now. Rayfield, good Wednesday morning to you. Uh, how you guys doing? We are doing well. Um, obviously, we'll get to a lot of Purdue and Indiana talk, but I do want to begin with the rest of the Big Ten. Um, you got seven seeds in Michigan State and Northwestern, an eight seed in Maryland, an eight seed in Iowa, a nine seed in Illinois, a 10 seed in Penn State. Non IU Purdue division, the Big Ten team that you like their draw the most? Man, I like everybody's draw pretty evenly. I, I, I don't know if I, um, I mean, I guess I don't. Team slash draw, I guess, that you like the most. Who do you think could maybe win a game, potentially two? I mean, I think I think uh, I mean I think everybody could win the game. I think everybody could win their first game. I think uh, I probably I think um, six teams could get to a Sweet Sixteen. I think Illinois could get there. They probably have a harder path. Kansas in the second game. Um, Maryland the same with Alabama. But if if all these teams, if all the Big Ten teams are rolling, they're at their best. I mean, I would take Illinois to get to the Sweet Sixteen as well. Yeah, okay, Kansas is the one, as he said. Let me ask it this way. In the Big Ten, I mean, obviously we know that Purdue's had an unbelievable year, right? Indiana, when Indiana is playing towards their ceiling, is really, really good. But Indiana also has games where they've struggled a little bit. Their consistency's been an issue at times. Right. When you When you look at it right now, I'm not going to say which Big Ten team is playing their best, but which Big Ten team is... I'm so, I'm sorry. I'm not going to say which t- which Big Ten team is best right now, but which one is clicking on all cylinders? Which one seems to be the most in rhythm for what they're capable of doing? I mean, I would have to go. Um, you have to go Purdue, and then you would go Penn State. If you're going um, as of right now, I wouldn't even go Indiana because they had some struggles down, as of late. After um, I mean, they beat Purdue. You get up for the Purdue game, obviously, it's your rival, but. Outside of that, they struggled as, as they struggled down the stretch a little bit. I don't know if struggles the word, but I would go on um, Penn State. Penn State um, had an unbelievable tournament. I think they won six or seven of their last games. So Penn State's probably playing the best. Purdue, Purdue as well. Rayfield Davis is with us. You see him on Big Ten Network. A busy week last week. Again this week with so many Big Ten teams in the tournament. Of course, played at Purdue, and he joins us now on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Rayfield, we had David Padgett on last segment. He obviously has played in you know some big, big NCAA tournament games. What right. what is that feeling like when you do get to this one and done format on a neutral floor? Um, you know, kind of maybe different start times than you're used to. What, what what was that like as a player? I mean, it's just hoop, man. I think um, I think sometimes we may put too much into stuff like that because. I mean, and maybe it was me, but I don't know if um, I don't know if our guys approached it any different than any other game. You just go out there, and then maybe we got that from Coach Painter, just taking that same approach. You just go out there and you play ball, and you know, you know it's winter, go home. So it's one of those things where you can't you can't really think about it like that because then you start to stress out, you start to overthink it. But I think you just go out there and hoop. I think um, a lot of these guys grew up playing basketball. You grew up through AAU, so it's not it's not really that abnormal to have an eleven o'clock game or a different tip time. So I think it's you just go out there and you play ball and you just try to have fun with it. It's a fun week. It's it's a really fun week and 
you try to enjoy it, but you try not to think, overthink it. You try to just make it. Um, Coach Painter would always say, Coach Paint would say, don't get emotionally drunk. So just stay, um, just go out there, stay even killed, stay confident, and just play play the same way. What when you're playing in the tournament and you're going, you know, you got the quick turnarounds. You win a game, you got to play two days later. Do you make a lot of adjustments? Do teams make a lot of adjustments based on who they're playing next? Or when you when you are in the, the round where you're playing two days later, is it basically a matter of just doing and executing what you do and letting the chips fall as they may? Well, no. You, um, like this week, for example, if I'm looking at how Purdue would do it, I mean, you're practicing for the team you're going to play. I mean, you're walking through their stuff. You're going through it. And then there's, a, there's an assistant on the staff who has a scout for the next game. So say there's one assistant for this game. There's another assistant that's scouting Memphis. There's another assistant that's scouting uh, Florida Atlantic. And then they say you win your first game. You go back to your hotel. You eat whatever. Then you're going to start watching film with that your next opponent. You're going to walk through their stuff in the hotel. If you have access to a gym, you may go to a gym and walk through their stuff. But um, you definitely, you definitely prepare for each team. You don't just um, maybe some schools do, but I don't know if um, you just go out there and just hoop it up. Okay, Rayfield Davis is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Rayfield, we mentioned um, Fletcher Lawyer's recent shooting struggles a bit earlier. Obviously, David Jenkins. Um, was huge for Purdue in the Big Ten tournament. I think he actually started for Lawyer in the second half there late. Um, how big of a concern would that be? Uh, and I guess, is there a decision that Matt Painter has to make in terms of you know minutes or potentially even a lineup change with Fletcher Lawyer and David Jenkins? I mean, it's not a concern at all because, I mean, Fletcher's not making shots. David's just going to play. I mean, I think um, – I think we've seen that with Coach Painter. I mean, you've seen it with Travion and Zach Eady last season. I mean, guys are making shots. Other guys step up. That's the point of having a deep team. That's the point. Of, that's the point of having real depth. That's um, you can sub guys in and you can have production. So, I believe Fletcher can make shots. I believe Fletcher's going to make shots. I think he just got to keep shooting them, and then um, he's got to not allow his um offense to affect his defense. He's still got to defend at a high level. The thing is, when Fletcher, when he's not making shots, teams try and, um, they try to pick on him defensively, and that hurts. But I'm not um I'm not at all worried about the offensive end. I'm more worried about the defensive end. I think Jenkins started that second half because of the defensive end. And um, you can't really pick on Jenkins. He's an older guy. He knows the game. He's been around. He understands angles and there's been the times during the season where teams have tried to go straight at Fletcher, and um, if he's not making shots to offset it, sometimes it struggles. Would you start Jenkins over Lawyer, or they've already done enough kind of starting lineup tweaks here late in the year? No, I mean I, I wouldn't. Um, I mean I don't. I mean it's it's easy to go off for of just the last few games where Jenkins had made some shots. I know it's eight for his last twelve from three, but. You look before those last three games, he struggled as well. Yeah, so it's not sure. one of those, um, a guy has a good game, you just switch the starting lineup. If Coach did it, I mean, I wouldn't knock what Coach has done, but I don't I don't know if it's been that big of a sample size to just throw things off. With Mason, Mason is different because you know Mason does different things than Caleb. I mean, Mason shoots the ball a little bit better. He He's more skilled at that position. 
But I think um, with Fletcher and Jenkins, I mean, and then also you got to wonder if um, if Fletcher is struggling and you do bring him into that second lineup and Jenkins has been playing well, where's your production with the second lineup? I mean, you still want to have scoring off the bench. I mean, it, to me, it's not always about – I know we put a lot of who starts the game, and that's um, sometimes that's fool's gold. I think the real the real um the real picture is who 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 ends the game. If it's a close game and it's three, four minutes left, the players that are in the game at that moment, that's normally the guys. So I want to know this and we'll begin with I want for Purdue and Indiana, we'll begin with Purdue. Let's say for the sake of argument that you are hypothetically a coach in the NCAA tournament and Purdue is your draw. Once you watch and analyze tape on Purdue the areas that you feel that you need to exploit, the area that you feel Purdue has a weakness that you've got to attack, would be what? I mean, they got to make shots. So I would, um, you throw the kitchen sink at Zach, and you force him to beat you from the perimeter. That's one. I know the um, the obvious answer will say to press them, but teams aren't pressing forty minutes a game. Like that's just not. Um, if you're not, if you're not that stylistically all season long. You're just not doing it. Even even the Rutgers or Maryland, they press during situations. They don't just press all game long. You don't see Iowa pressing for 40 minutes because you still got to play offense. Like, I know that people are going to say just press Purdue all game. And then if you don't, if that's not something you do every day in practice or you work on or you have situational things for it, if you're just in a hotel and you're trying to throw together a press for Purdue, it's just not going to work the same. That's like fans saying Purdue should play a 2-3. If you're not doing it every day, if you're not good at it, it's not going to work. Rutgers is good at pressing because they do it every day. That's their defense. Maryland the same. I mean, Penn State, they they work on it. So it's one of the things, if you don't work on it, you're going to struggle with it. So I would say you make them beat you from perimeter. You, um, you make those guards show what they got you. And then you make them... Um, if I have older perimeter, like if I have older, bigger guards, I would tell them to pressure Brandon Smith, Fletcher Lawyer. I would tell them to pressure um, Brandon Newman and make those post feeds harder. When you um, you look at Indiana and how Indiana has success against Purdue, they didn't press them. They just pressed their guards in the half court. And if you push their guards out and you make that initial, that initial entry to start the offense, if you make that harder, Sometimes they struggle and they get uncomfortable. Okay, the same question then, you're facing Indiana. It's probably a similar answer, but you're facing Indiana. What's the blueprint? I mean, well, again, you make them beat you from three. I mean, they, see the, I think it was the Penn State game. They were one for ten from three, if I'm not mistaken, or something like that, that magnitude. So you make them beat you for three. You make Trey Galloway, Miller Coppa, Tamar Bates. You make those three guys beat you. You put a lot of pressure on Hushafino. I mean, he's a really talented player, but as a freshman, the freshman point guard, freshman guard, they don't like pressure. They don't like to be pushed on. They don't like to be hit on. You look at the teams where Hushafino struggled against, it was against older guards, and Pickett or a Jameer Young, a Boo Booey. Older guards gave them, older physical guards give freshmen, give freshmen trouble. So, that would be my late air. And then I would say um, don't let them get out in transition. Make them beat you on the half court and then hit the glass. Rafael, when can we find you next on Big Ten Network? I'm back on tomorrow. Tomorrow and then all weekend. He's a busy man in the month of March. Rafael Davis on the Payless Lick- Liquors Hotline. Rafael, thanks for the time this morning, man. 
Oh, no, I appreciate you guys. It's Rayfield Davis right there. Um, Jake, when you talk about J- Jalen Hood-Shafino, you know, you look at it, he's really struggled from three over like the past month or so, but it's a, just kind of a reminder of that mid-range game. Uh, and That's the key, right? What he brings there, you know, we were talking with David Padgett, who watched Kent State play in their conference title game last segment, and he mentioned Kent State's guards kind of getting after you with relentless pressure. Hood Shafina will have a size advantage, but again, his ability to kind of get into the lane, I use effectiveness, and getting him into those situations where he can make those plays will be something to keep an eye on. I think the biggest thing that Indiana has to like about this matchup, again, Kent State, one of the smaller teams in college basketball, and when you saw what they did against Gonzaga this year, Drew Timmy had an absolute field day in that matchup. Again, not the same exact player, but when Drew Timmy goes for 29-17 and 17 and shoots 12 foul shots, you got to like that for Trace Jackson Davis. He mentioned Illinois, which is intriguing. I, Illinois has got a heck of a match. One of the best games, I think, the 8-9 games are always good, right? But that... Illinois-Arkansas matchup is really intriguing. Well, and so is Iowa-Auburn, as you mentioned, because that's in Birmingham. But Arkansas, man, I, that's a tiger by the tail. I would not want to deal with Arkansas. Can you imagine what that crowd could look like in Des Moines for round two if it's Kansas and Illinois? Yeah. That's basically a, like a meeting point, right? Be a hell of a ticket to get there in round two. We'll see that one um, tomorrow, those matchups. Kansas and Howard, that is a 2 o'clock tip. So that'll be in the late first window. And then Arkansas and Illinois will follow Arkansas with Nick Smith. Supposed to be a lottery pick here coming up this season. All right, I think we are going to give away some numbers to close out the show. How about this? Let's do this, all right? Let's take calls to give away some numbers, but let's also go back into the YouTube chat. Look at you. Let's do both. Helping out the online kids. You do have a lot of numbers to still give out. Let's reward the, the YouTubers. Starts. So how about this, Mark? During the break... We'll take five YouTube people, send mm-hmm. in their numbers as well. We'll pick the first five. When we come back from break, we'll announce the teams with those five, and then we'll continue to take a few calls. Should, should I numbers. read the available numbers real yes, quick? Yes, please do. So that, if you are listening right now and you're thinking about getting a number, these are the numbers that are available, okay? These are the av- remaining available numbers. 9, 16, 20, and 21, 26, and 27, 29 and 30, 34 through 37, 39, 44 and 45, 48 through 51, 53 to 60, and 62, 63, and 64. YouTube chat, phone lines. We'll do it to close it out. Kevin and Corey on a win. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hey fam, I'm asking for your support. Help us raise money for St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. Families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food so they can focus on helping their child live. By pledging just $19 a month, you're helping St. Jude give every child with cancer a chance. Help St. Jude save lives. Call 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898 and become a partner in hope today. You know, we're a multi-platform program. We're available on terrestrial radio, of course. We're available on our app. 
app, 107.5 The Fan. We're available via streaming on our website and the YouTube chat filled with insight, passionate individuals. They have been rewarded earlier today with five numbers going out to our NCAA tournament bracket. We just did five more. Jake, before we assign teams to those people, let us know what they're playing for again. Uh, again, what we have is if you are the national champion, you get $100 worth of dinner at Jay's Lobster and Seafood Shack, which is at the garage in downtown Indy. Um, you absolutely, in Bottle Works, Mark recommends it highly. Yep, by the highly way. recommend. Maddie Bowen has stopped there as well. She's a big fan. Highest double digit seed, the one, that, the double digit seed to advance the furthest, I should say. And. As well, the team to get blown out by the largest margin. Those are the three ways that you can win. So before we hand out numbers via the phone lines, we did the YouTube chat during the break. Uh, Getting Big Blue Nation with number 58 will be Charlie. Charlie gets Kentucky. I'm telling you, they're going to make some noise. What's that? Sounds a wildcat. Sound like a lion. Sound like the 2012 Kentucky team. Technically a wildcat. Uh, We mentioned this team. Rayfeld Davis pretty high on them. The Fighting Illini is going to go to Alex. That was number 41. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Number nine, another Big Ten school. Number nine. We'll see how early in the game he gets teed up. But that will be Fran McCaffrey in Iowa. Lee, you've got Iowa. Okay. Sounds like a great Hawkeye. Yep. Sounds like Chris Murray against Indiana that, that, that last game. Uh, okay, Colin, get, boy, we had a Big Ten run here. Um, although every time I see this team, I think they're an ACC team. That would be Maryland. Colin got Maryland, number 27. That's a turtle, apparently. What in the Sounds like an old video game. And I should clarify, some people did put out numbers, but you had already picked numbers that were taken, so I went to the next one. That's why we that's give out the... That's follow, why we tell you what numbers are available. And last but not least, David Paget on earlier, Rick Patino's Gales <laughs> going to Jeremy. <laughs> Jeremy Bullard, your dedication, second and on, you get... Jake, is he the best coach in the tournament? Rick Patino? Yes. Probably, yeah. Historically speaking, pretty darn good. Jeremy for Iona. So we head to the phone lines? Sure. This is rapid fire. Mark, give us a number, Mark. Hey. Hey. What's up, Mark? No, not much, man. I need a number. Uh, you <laughs> you give us one, and hopefully don't say one that's already been said. 44. Mark, 44. there we go. Hey, Mark, uh, let me Playing ask you something. the fight song, Mark. I love this. Or, uh, Mark Dykton, that is. I love this fight song. I'm not playing the fight song. Mark, have you ever performed a task where you were not paid? Well, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would make you a volunteer, buddy, and that's exactly what you got. Volunteers tribute. The Tennessee Good Volunteers. Oh, Rocky Top. Woo! Rocky Top 10. All right, who's next? Mitch. What's up, Mitch? Hey, what's going on, guys? What's going on? Mitch, you got a number for us? I do, I do. Number 26. That's my son's birthday this month. Okay. Oh, happy birthday to who, Mitch? Uh, Bennett. Bennett, happy birthday. You are going to get a team that I think a lot... I don't know Joel Erickson's a fan of. We haven't really talked a lot about this team. You've got the Missouri Tigers. All right. 
Hey, real quick, Kevin. Yeah. You and Mark are the ones that keep getting mad at me on Twitter because I keep asking Jake for the British accent. I, I, yes, I, we thank you for that, too. Mark, why did you there clear? There we go. Why did you clear Missouri, by the way. Oh, wait. It's not Missouri. It's fairly Dickinson. Oh, no. Missouri stinks, Mitch. My friend apparently has. Doug. Doug, give us a number. Morning, gentlemen. Let's go with 56. 56. I like how people keep calling us gentlemen. Doug is efficient. That was a, I, I think this team could get on a run. Actually, Doug, one of the better players to come out of this school uh, named Doug the last few years. Great call. We Creighton. Coach's son earlier. The Creighton Blue Jays off the board. Oh, that sounds beautiful, Mark. Okay. Uh, Eric. Yeah, good morning. Let's go with 59. Actually, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do something fun, Eric. No longer gentlemen. Eric, we are going to just simply play for you the can you can the people on the phone hear what we're playing over the radio though they probably I would can't, imagine right? so they can hear our voices. Eric, can you hear uh we'll play for you the sound effect and you tell us what mascot you have. Here we go. The most generic sounding mascot. Yeah, I mean there's like ten of them, yeah. them in the tournament. Could it be a wildcat or a cougar? Wow, wildcat. Eric, <laughs> can Eric, this team lost a butler this year, but yet they're a three seed. You've got the Kansas State Wildcats. Kansas State, by the way, I think delivered Purdue the most heartbreaking loss in Purdue NCAA tournament history in 88 when they were the number one seed. Kansas State had two guys on the AP third team All-American yesterday. Did they really? Are they the most obscure Is three seed? Is Jones one of them and Mitch Richmond was the Deontay other? Deontay Johnson. You remember uh, when Florida played a few years ago, Jake, and the kid had the... Um, it's heart attack the right phrase. Remember that? On the floor against that. Florida State? Keontae yeah. Johnson. He's now at Kansas State and was an AP All-American. Yeah, good for him. I yeah, mean. third teamer. Uh, one more. Darnell. Darnell, our defending champ. What's up, Darnell? Darnell, we got I, a gift card I for you as well. Darnell. Uh, Darnell, what number would you like? 45. Oh, this is, this is a different Darnell. This is not Darnell Booker, correct? It is, Jake. Oh, you sounded different for some reason. Well, he's a winner. He's got a little bit of a different sounding voice. Um, Darnell's got... You guys. <laughs> Mark, Darnell, you, you have... Queuing up the Bulldogs again? The Bulldogs of Drake. Native... 45. Awesome. Do you know where... By the, that's much better for the Bulldog. Yes, I figured you'd you. like that one. It's a panting Bulldog. I like that. They're in Des Moines, by the way. Right? Isn't that where Drake is located? Somewhere Creighton, in Iowa, Creighton right? is Omaha. I thought he's in Toronto. And Drake is... Mm, good one, Mark. <laughs> no, okay. Drake is Des Moines. Des Moines. They will be in Albany, of course. Uh, you will get the winner of Miami and Drake. Drake, uh, what are their assistants, Jake? Do you remember the name Tom Ostrom? Yes, how like about Archie name? Miller's lead assistant okay. at IU. He is now at Drake. I didn't realize that Kent State has an assistant that was a walk-on basketball player out of Fishers. Really? Yeah. On Rob Senderhoff staff? Correct. I enjoyed the Rob right. Senderhoff interview. Um, that'll be on the podcast, uh, along with Stephen Holder, David Padgett, Rafael Davis. Everybody have a great Wednesday. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Kevin Court.